thunder, thunder cat. Thunder, thunder, thunder. Hey, how are you? I'm Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O, here today for my good friends Ryan and David. You may know if you listen to the podcast Radical Retro Rewind. I love it. All of it. Radical Retro Rewind. She even looks older. You liked my art collection. Yeah, we've heard that one before, mummy. What is it? I heard him shout. Oh, yeah. Thundercats! Oh! Who you calling a hoe? Welcome back, Thundercats fans, to another episode of Thundercats Reviews, brought to you by the Radical Retro Rewind Podcast. As always, I am your host, Radical Ryan Hunter, here with everyone's favorite brother, David, and back to the show is our amazing friend, Zach. Hello! Hi, everybody. We have two amazing episodes, and the first one happens to be, Zach, you were just saying, actually, off camera. It's my favorite episode, like... Hands down. I don't know if I would call it the best episode, but it is it is absolutely my favorite episode. And for good reason. Good. It's good. Yeah. It's it really is up there. The, I mean, action, storyline, so much going on. Mystery, so much. history, fantasy. Giant books. A large book. Very large <laughs> large book. Large books. <laughs> large books. So so excited always to have Zach as long with us, David. Absolutely. We have some B-mail. So we're getting to it right now because there's a lot. The bunglers have spoken and we have actually two new reviews. So... My source tells me maybe your source. She even looks older. How dare you say that to me? I didn't think Lionel was like that. I tell you it's true. The information comes from my best source. <laughs> There's another thing. According to my source, I did it for the money. And I need the money. Are you sure your source is on our side? You've got thunder, 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 cat mail. And keep your foot off that blasted flan. Okay, I figured we should start with the reviews that we got because Juan was our original reviewer. Thank you so much for giving us our first Thundercats review. And then followed up by, I was shocked to receive two more. Can you believe this? We're on a roll here. So our first one comes from Troubled Magic. This is both on Apple. Yes. Oh, I love right that name. Troubled Magic. The Thundercats Review Podcast with David and Ryan is an amazing compliment to the TV show and fandom. Now, that's very nice. Thank you, my God. They share a deep love and knowledge to the property. Also, the sweetest banter for a space show about space cats messing up Third Earth's homeowners association laws governed by Mumra, the ever-living Karen. (laughs) But seriously, it's thunder-loving gold, which is so touching. Oh my God. Thank you, Troubled Magic. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was That's amazing. That's amazing to hear. Especially that they mentioned, you know, the Homeowners Association in Mumra. That goes back. That goes back to the beginning. <laughs> Troubled Magic. Thank you so much. You took the time. And I love that you love our, our sweet banter. I hope we continue to make it sweet for everybody. <laughs> but not spicy and, and raunchy. <laughs> Vicious. What? 
What? No, no, never. Our second review is from Richard Babcock. I love that name, by the way, Richard. Ryan and Dave had me hooked from the get-go. I listened to a lot of podcasts at work, and I was looking for some Thundercats content when I stumbled upon these guys. Oh, boy. That was your first mistake, Richard. (laughs) I I downloaded every Thundercats review episode and binged them all in about two weeks. It's funny, informative, and absolutely entertaining. I'm officially a bungler. P.S. Ryan's Mandora and Willa, Willa's Hepburn voice, which is what Zach named it, <laughs> is hilarious. Oh, and I'm so glad, Richard, that we have Willa in today's episode. <laughs> we do, we do. We have Nada or Naida as yeah. Ryan. <laughs> We have Nada and Willa. Yes, we do. And thank you so much. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And speaking of Juan, Juan wrote about last episode, loved this episode. Mumra Lives is my favorite five-parter from the series because I feel like it's one of the best flow going from episode to episode. That's true. Plus, it brings the Thundercats back to being Thundercats, especially Lionel, who behaved in the movie as if season one never happened. Ooh, we're talking about those those him going out on his own, going to find the Thundarians. Yeah, he's he's like much more grown up in Mamra Lives, it feels like. So what happened? What happened? Was there a momentary memory loss? The shock of new Thundarians? He had his first adult beverage with a curly straw and (laughs) suddenly he's grown up. It has two significant stories running through it, with one providing a twist that affects the rest of the series. I understand why many people don't tend to like the second season. I believe that the first season is better because it has an arc, the growth of Lion-O, that goes through the entire season. Season two shows you what it could have been a darker tone in the first episodes, but then goes the silly route after about episode 10. Without having any evidence, I say you can thank censoring groups and the FCC for that turnaround. Oh, I never thought about that. How maybe things that were happening behind scenes, you know, make them possibly change storylines. I look forward to your reviews of the rest of the season and there's still some great episodes including my all-time favorite from the show. Ooh, I wonder which one that was. Could it have been The Mask that we have today? (laughs) I I really hope so. Keep going, guys. You were fantastic. Oh, by the way, this is one of the first. Zach ha- had actually told me the, the real words, and as well as Leah. But they say, at the risk of running a ruining a good joke, the word that you are looking for is progenitors, which means founding fathers. <laughs> but for the rest of my life, I'm going to hear throw genitals. <laughs> I mean... I I think I would be pretty horrified if, if randomly genitals were being thrown at me from Mumra. So I guess if they were yeah. Mumra's genitals, let's specify if they were Mumra's <laughs> genitals. <laughs> Mummified. Oh, Steve. Oh, like oh, what are those two rocks that just fell down here? Oh, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we have now Steve Martin three four five one. Thank you again, Steve Martin. Another wonderful show. You guys are amazing. And thank you to my fellow fans, bunglers, who help out. You guys are amazing as well. A quick question for everyone. Do you guys think Lionel would have to have gone through the 
appointment trials back in season one if his sleep pod would have not malfunctioned until next time thundercats ho okay so i think steve is saying basically that if lionel was still a child in season one and actually this is a perfect question for zach do you think they would have had waited for him to grow up or would he have done this as a kitten that's a good question in the first anointment trial Snarf says happy birthday. So it's his birthday. We don't know what birthday it is, but it's like, it's marking some. (laughs) (laughs) This is your 919th. Your 9 or your 19th. (laughs) So clearly there's, it's sort of some, there's some rite of passage associated with his age, but we don't know what his age is. Clearly there's some tradition around like proving yourself through trials. It doesn't make sense that they would do it when he was just a little kid, but I think we would have seen a lot more training, right? We see some training early in the in the early part of season one. Um, like he and Panther are like, you know, doing like acrobatics and stuff at the beginning of the Doom Gaze. There's other scenes like that where he's training, but there would have had to have been a lot more because you're right. It wouldn't be fair to put a 13 year old through that. So he would have had to he would have had to have had his quinceañera, his sweet 16, his bar mitzvah, whatever. whatever. All of the above. All of the above. I would hope so. I'm going to put it out there. And I first of all, that was a really, really great question. I'm going to put it out there. I don't think they would have survived on Third Earth as long as they did if he didn't have the ability to wield the sword because he wouldn't have been strong enough to hold the sword. And we know that that the, the Sword of Omens is the Swiss Army knife of swords and can do anything there are plenty of times that that sword has not only revived the thundercats after they were like diminished or under a trance or weak or whatever it is and also held back the mutants and mumra and other creatures and and other aliens so i'm gonna say thank god he aged a little bit but i'm gonna think that they would have waited on the trials until he got a little bit older personally this is why I love the interaction because I would never have in a million years have thought about this question. That's a great question, truly. And maybe we'll find out. Who knows with all the new things that are coming out, the comics, this, that. So Thundercats fan 1985 says, thank you, Retro Brothers. I love Zach's knowledge. It is unmatched. Thank you for having him on the show. Aww. That's so sweet. No, you got a fan mail. <laughs> we love that we love that because again zach's passion for the show is just so wonderful so we love having him on and we love that he's gotten mail yes (laughs) okay and we have two more of course we have to get to matesh and we have lovely leah before we start matesh says hey retro brothers as promised here is my mumra lives review mumra lives part one let's get moving pussycats and the love for a mummut is a fast past episode focused on scene settings over substance they jump quickly from one scene to the neck to get to the lunatics to free them asap i am not a fan of the new music scores they use throughout the episode it sounds like filler music to my snarf ears <laughs> i do love how luna rolls her r's that's so funny, Matesh. I have to say, I love the vehicle theme. It gets me so pumped. I think Matesh is probably talking about the dark side theme. Like the, um, oh, like Xanadu, as David calls it. 
<laughs> is it that one? <laughs> it, when it, it's, like the, the, it's the part I, I It's like when they're the, when they're starting to like throw the when the brute men are throwing the thumbdrillion into into the into the fire and that like it's like the 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 mechanism everything is starting to build up. It's that weird like that's what it sounds like Xanadu like it's heightened. That that's that noise that like sky tube noise. Yeah, that sky tube noise. <laughs> that's gonna do to me. I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Olivia Newton John to come out. <laughs> A uh, guy would take it. <laughs> but could it be because, Zach, you mentioned that they were writing Silverhawks music at the same time, right? No, no. now we're in 1987, so Silverhawks is done. Oh, <laughs> Silverhawks, sorry! But, you know, as a composer, you know, artists go through, you know, phases and their, their old work informs their new work. So maybe he was just in a new, like, you know, experimenting with new sounds at that point. Um, but yeah, the dark side theme is really creepy. Is it the same one? I know the one you're talking about, Ryan. I can't think if it's the same one I'm thinking of. Yeah, because we used to have these names, right? Like the Twisted Forest or... I think those names are, I don't know if those names are real or not. Those are just like, maybe they are, I don't know. Well, this isn't Candyland. You're not getting the licorice prince or king. (laughs) The licorice king, it's right. Well, could be. Matesh also says, Mumra lives part two, the board meetings. The Thundercats seem not to be able to make a decision unless they are all back at Cat's lair. They see, hear, or encounter something, and their reaction is, let's quickly get back home to talk about this. Let's talk about it, Vulture Man! (laughs) I need to go back and get that. Because honestly, every time I think of you saying that, it's so funny when he said that, Let's talk about it! It's funny, it's like, it's like, my biggest criticism of Thundercats Hope was that they never sat down and talked about their plan. And now they've swung hard the other way, and they're they're always meeting and talking. We better talk about every step of the way, or this is not going to go right. (laughs) So... (laughs) Thank Thundera, they had a large table to sit around. Isn't that the truth? The largest table you've ever seen. Their next problem is they ran out of fuel and they suddenly have a new ship. The Thunderstrike makes a great toy advertisement. True, we were deprived. I'm still waiting for my Thunderstrike. Then Tugbug is able to hold and snap the Sword of Omens like a toothpick and Lionel does not have much of a reaction that is so true besides let's go back home and have another chat (laughs) thank thank jaga's beard they have discovered bengali is a blacksmith and can fix the sword in a hot second it bothers me lionel should have really been emotionally upset about the omens being snapped and it should have been a bigger deal to fix the sword than a quick fix and it's back to normal then grandpa warlow and bulkin the sheep take them to sky tomb and it's a Wolos do not lie, Lionel. <laughs> Neither do Balkans. Oh my god. And it's a damn caravan. Those bastards, lunatics, can take it anywhere. I'd park on the top of Cat's Lair and they'd win. So this episode was about magical Bengali and Linkso, or daredevil abilities. Makes sense to intro them, but very convenient. So he's talking about, Matesh is talking about how Bengali was able to fix the Sword of Omens in a second. We didn't get the Inflamer, we didn't get the Starfire, and Linkso being able to, I'm assuming, go through... Navigate to Dark Side. Mumra lives part three. Thank you to Verbal Mutt, Mumra was able to <laughs> challenge the building regulations. He did not see <laughs> he did mm-hmm. see the plans or a permit. Makes sense to me. We learned that the <laughs> Lunatech's greatest weakness is that they are jerks to each other. Who could have guessed that? That's true, they are jerks. Mumra lives part four. <laughs> I'm still laughing about that. You will not put 
shed in your backyard. There is no wishing well put in your front yard without HOA approval. You want to expand your driveway? Not happening. No, because we saw that he held the sides of the tomb. Mumra gasped and, and grabbed <laughs> the, the sarcophagus. He's like, they could not. They could not. Snarfer versus the Lunatax. I think I'm on this new Mumra's side because he's really genuinely loves Mumma. The way he holds and talks to him. I am so happy for Mumra. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Matesh says he feels the same way because he's in love with his new puppy, Belle, too. And I know Aww. if I was Mateshra, the ever-living, she would still love me. Oh! <laughs> Snarfer managed to outwit and beat Tugmug and Aloro when Lionel and Panthro could not. Like Snarf, he is probably going to be the best of Thundercat. Mumra was right when he said to Mummut, Is everyone on Third Earth incompetent? Yes. Yes, they are, Mumra. Mumra lives part five. If we're gonna do it, let's do it. All the Thundercats show how stupid they are by getting caught. But when Lionel calls for the Sword of Omens, I love it. That's my rock and roll moment. And that boy can rock it. Ho! Lingso <laughs> is the new fearless badass of the Thundercats. That is true. Who saved the day with a piece of wood he found in Mumra's shed. Spoiler. <laughs> More pieces to come. The last lines between Pumira and Lionel about teamwork is ironic considering what will happen in the very next episode. If Ho the movie was about starting a new chapter and encountering all of our past antagonists with action-packed fun results, Mumra Lives is all about scene setting and getting everyone a new building and getting a new... <laughs> Super Mumra. This is level two of his evolution. <laughs> Spoiler. There's more growth to come. Ooh. Back on his throne. And of course, Thunderboard meetings. See you soon, Retro Brothers Matesh. <laughs> Matesh, you got such a humor. I love it. <laughs> that was amazing. I loved all of that. And I love the insight and what and his feelings about it all. I think it's great. I and love that different points. fans have different have different opinions about that one. But you know, Juan said it was his favorite, and Matesh has major cris- criticisms. That's so true how it's all over the board like that that's yeah season two is very divisive i always say there's there's enough room at the table for everybody that big thundercats table until (laughs) until there's a scene where all of the thundercats are sitting and they leave poor pumira lingso and bengali standing in the back they had they needed more chairs they didn't have they they'd spent all their time building new vehicles they didn't think about chairs (laughs) there was no there was no board meeting can you have a quorum if there aren't enough chairs to sit in Oh, that's true. You know, with the HOA, the you know, the HOA, you can't pass, can't pass anything unless it's a quorum, and nothing will be passed <laughs> going forward. And we have one more from our lovely Leah, who of course supplies the audios for not only this but also our main show throughout the year and the weeks and all those good things. <laughs> I need to say, I've I've read Leah's comments on YouTube. You read them, obviously, but <laughs> she also sprinkles emojis through them. That are it's like it's like a second level of of entertainment. Love it. It's true. They don't translate Zach what she's putting into these. Like this one is covered with moons for lunatics. <laughs> I see poop emojis. I see balls because I balls. think it's something about thunderballs. 
Balls were something was happening with balls for some reason, I remember. Leah says, Ooh, how perfectly. Such a bad pun. Wonderful to start a new schedule with this pair of episodes. The ho, the movie. Oh, so terrible, but hilarious. Go, Matesh. Should we have a Thundercats the musical? Speak of that. I'd see it. Or rather, it'd be nothing more than a mushroom magic dream brought to you by Tiger and Silky. Mm, you know, true. I would see that. Thundercats the musical. Oh, did, please don't compare it to Cats, <laughs> Cats the movie. I just, just saw that finally, kids. Right? I just <laughs> with my kids. I finally saw that. It kind of creeped me out. Because they're human cats? I just don't know. It was just a very creepy vibe to it. It just really didn't... There was no... You know, there was no, um... <laughs> You're like, no, just no, just no. There was no, just no. <laughs> Love the reading of my reviews, but a thought. You wouldn't want them to have gone more quickly than Lionel and Kitty Co. Because otherwise, they'd be on that desert island for years. I mean, more than a decade. Then all of the food you'd need to feed them along the trip. Oh, the question. Now, I have a question. Would there have been a lot more burbles on that island? Yeah. <laughs> if they had been there longer? Cat fight. <laughs> Welcome to my humble period. Comes with a built-in... <laughs> pyramid. <laughs> period. Period. Lucky for my breasts are small and humble, so you don't confuse them with mountains. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be an episode. Come on out, Chitara. Let's fight it out, woman to woman. Or maybe, maybe in a few, a couple weeks. I was going to say that to you, Zach. I was going to say that to you. I told him that. <laughs> Are you afraid to fight me, woman to woman, Zach? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so, cat fight. Welcome to my humble pyramid. <laughs> Comes with built-in vision, rotting corpses, and ancient spirits of evil that will watch you even when you need to pee in a corner. Because I have no bathroom, but plenty of bandages, toilet paper that will disintegrate on you. Biodegradable, I have to say, environmentally sound. My complicated plot will work! This is when he told Luna, of course it will work! The plan, like, that's it! Every other plan works work. so well for me. When, how, or now, now, here, or there, try again. I will destroy my enemies after they failed miserably to follow my stupid schemes of the week. Molten lava! Oh, because Mumra encased them in molten lava. Yes. Do you need to go to the hospital? I am Jaga the, the plot point. He will obey me. Sword of faulty warnings at your mm. plot convenience. Mmm. Mm-mm-mm. Mumra is being fishy in this walrus of a transformation. Linkso, more useful than Jaga and likable to actually give you a useful piece of whole advice. That's true. Linkso is like the, the mentor that you would want. Who's, he's very supportive. He's kind. He's not Jaga that will make you feel terrible about yourself as you're doing it. When you say offensive things about him being blind, he just, he's, <laughs> he doesn't bite your head off. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, and what? You can hear me? Of course I can, Snuff. You're standing right next to me. Of course I can. <laughs> Thank God, so horrible. Attack everywhere. Snarf or snarfer action? Have some balls. Yes, there were- Oh! Pumira threw balls at Chitara. That's what it was. She threw balls at her. Yes. Thundercats and burbles. Oh, God. What would you call this monstrosity of weirdness? A burcat? Thunderbill? <laughs> Oof. Cat Hulk out. That must be the power of, of the, the sword. I am Mumra, the ever-living disaster. 
toilet paper mm-hmm. you by the way like zach's saying there's a toilet and a, a toilet paper emoji right next to this so you clearly can't you have to go and look at leah's comments psych out look into my cauldron while i push you in from behind aloro is so easily persuaded lol mumra and aloro ruling together forever is our mummy finally is our mummy finally finding his happy ever after and she put hearts with bandages on it <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that would be amazing. Mumra and Aloro. They're both tall if, if he transforms Mumra. Only on date night. Well, what'd you say, David? Only on date night. He only transforms on date night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the rest of the days he's in sw- his sweatpants in the tomb. <laughs> we'll all get third earth. Well, the non-gross parts. Mumra in his garage shale. Just what would he sell? God knows. Tiny's potion from... <laughs> from the mm. first season <laughs> insert adorable funny voices from our favorite brothers <laughs> god knows what we were saying there can you make a knitted snarf scarf out of snarf hair yeah. you know when he was shedding when he was shedding when lioness said i can find you shouldn't be leaving all this hair around if you don't want me to find you yeah, but it was so little i think you would need like god knows 500 snarfs altogether. Mm. it's a good merch idea a snarf scarf <laughs> yeah just red and yellow with red some little tan stripes. Don't worry. They won't let us do that either. WB. Yeah, WB <laughs> will copyright infringement as I'm wearing my bungler shirt that they wouldn't let us do. With original artwork from Ryan, Radical Ryan himself, not from the, the show. Hmm. Going to dark side of life. Now Lionel has been infected by bad rhyming. Aloro, who has the voice that would send everyone running away and screaming. That's right, he does. You, you're going to be taken, Panthro, and we'll, <laughs> and we'll keep you. Beam me down on a beam, very beamy. We can't, we can't, but Snarf can. A super orc? Oh? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Orko. Snarf! Who bungled it this time? What? You think I'd tell you here? No, you must watch this episode and find out. <laughs> Throw genitals, progenitors. Throw genitals, progenitors. Thank you so much, bunglers. Thank you, Matesh. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Trouble Magic, Richard Babcock, Juan, Steve Martin, Thundercats 1985. Thank I you just love all. that his name is Steve Martin, because I'm going <laughs> to... That Steve Martin would listen to our podcast. Tell them. It's no true. elaboration. No elaboration. Take off with the high flying Thundercats. Oh, wow. Hold on tight for unbelievable action when Lion O and his brave band of superheroes flatten the evil enemies of Third Earth. This is humiliating. Including Mumra, Rataro, and Hammerhand. Let's go get them. So team up with the greatest superheroes ever, the mighty Thundercats. Don't miss them. Today at 3 on TV 53. All right, gentlemen, that begins the first amazing episode of today, The Mask of Gorgon, episode 78, which aired on September 24th of 1987. Thank you again to the Thundercats Wikipedia for 
some of the synopsis that we might use. And of course, mm-hmm. Leah, for that audio, where shall we begin? At the very beginning. <laughs> the short synopsis is Mumra plans on using the legendary mask of Gorgon to free a sleeping child in the hills of Elshima to use against the Thundercats. Did I say Elshima right? Elfshima with an F. Elf- Elfshima. This whole episode is going to be fun. There's a <laughs> lot of things to pronounce. <laughs> I have named this episode the Medusa Voorhees mask. It <laughs> is... That's okay, so, you know, we love retro topics around here. Zach, did you ever see the Nintendo game they had for Jason Friday the 13th back in the day? Yes, but I never played it. I remember seeing it, like, at, at Blockbuster. Speaking of LJN, LJN made that... Oh, they did? ...thing, so... There is a part where his mother, you go against Jason's mother's head in the game, and it is exactly the Mask of Gorgon. (laughs) It is not Pamela Voorhees, it is the Mask of Gorgon flying around. It is. It's total. Oh, yeah. Look at that. It's pink. Oh, wait, no, there's a few of them. Hold on. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I see it creepy if you want to experience this episode of thundercats go to the nes if you have it take out your old nes and play friday the 13th (laughs) and you could you could face the mask itself (laughs) what an amazing way to start the episode i mean it's literally Mm -hmm. the first minute of this episode oh yeah it's it's like there's immediate like urgency and we're, we're like jumping into the middle of the action right away it's a great start. Speaking of jumping, Zach, when Bengali and Pumira leap over the drawbridge before it's even out all the way, you know it's trouble. Yep. <laughs> they were running. <laughs> it starts in the council chamber with the thunder strike like barreling towards the window and Snarf says, here it comes again. So it's already happened once, at least once. So the Thunderstrike is out of control, and yeah, Bengali and Pumaira separate their pods, they land, and they just sprint for the lair, and they, yeah, they jump over the, the drawbridge before it's fully extended. They're talking over each other, explaining what's going on, that Linkso's lost his mind, and then it's like, immediately, Lionel has a plan. Yes, immediately, Zach. <laughs> he formulates this really quick plan, which could be a sign of growth, right? He's like, he's taking charge, he's like, let's do this right now. Panthro, grab the Thunderclaw, we're gonna go. But that's sort of like that impulse to like jump into action right away is kind of what gets him into trouble later in the episode too. So it's a really interesting like play on his character. Perfectly said. It works out okay at this point. How is he, Lionel? He's sleeping at last. Pumaira, Bengali, what brought on this terrible attack? It was last night. He was at the Braille board in the Tower of Omens when his hand received information so terrible that... Ah, no, no! The pages turn and their words bring madness. The hills of Elshima, the mask of Gorgon, and the child. Sight beyond sight brings evil beyond evil. I don't know if all the bunglers out there might have heard it, but I feel like Larry Lionel might have some allergies going on on these recordings. He's kind of got that, you know, I always call it the Lionel sick voice when it's kind of deeper and he's he's got like that nasal kind of snarf. Linkso's flying sort around of like, again. Sort of like when Britney Spears did the song with Rihanna. What, SNL? She's got SNL. that nasal voice. Yeah, she's got oh, that nasal voice. My God. That's, of course we would have to bring it to that. I think I think this episode was recorded in like January or February of, the, of that year. So then maybe he had a cold. 
I, that's what I'm thinking. I felt it. And a matter of fact, I kept saying, Larry, I feel you because I feel like my allergies are still lingering or something going on here. But I love this. Lionel and Panthro are trying to fly around and get on top of the Thunderstrike. And Lionel just lands, spread, spread out on the glass. Like he's, I couldn't believe it. Put the meat on the grill. He is just, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, he's against glass. That that body is against glass. Link's so blind. He can't appreciate it. <laughs> but did his hands feel it? Because that's all we ever hear is... <laughs> What did his hands tell you? Did Link, so did your hands... I am not touching that. No pun intended. I am not touching But honestly, I think this is the coolest thing that we've seen Lionel do with the sword. He uses the sword and tells Link, so open up. I, Lionel, command you. So... Yeah, he, like, persuades him using the power of the Uh... eye. It's... It works, but it's a little questionable. Like, what else can Mm. you do with that? Mm. So this makes me think, did he learn this from the other times when, quote-unquote, they're under control, that maybe he figured the sword is always the key that will remove that kind of spell at the end, maybe? Oh, I see. So you're saying it's not that the eye has, like, mind control. It's that the eye is cutting through the noise. Yes! That's what I think. Like, it's the more powerful... I put Lionel, Lionel using the Sword of Omens as a communication control device. Well, he does. He, like, shocks him into reality. He's like, Link, so you will let me board. And he does. And he does. And the wind is, the wind, like, blows him into the cockpit. And his hair is, like, wild all over the place. It's really well animated. And, like, the, like, energy of the scene is really great. Which remains through the entirety of this episode, the excitement. Yeah, yeah. The pacing of this episode is bonkers. It's just like nonstop. So we should bring up too that Linkso is rambling about hills, a child, <laughs> you know, the book. Oh my God, yes, book. And sight beyond sight brings evil beyond evil and things like that. So he's going crazy. Yeah, they have a, they do like a flash. They put him down for a nap. <laughs> And then they all gather in their board in the boardroom. <laughs> yeah, they go back to, to talk the about robot. it. And then in the council chamber to talk about it. And there we have we get a flashback that the night before he interpreted something through the braille the braille board that just drove him mad. What did his hand see, Zach? What did his I wanna hands know see? I wanna know why Chitara didn't get a premonition from him too, like Phoebe. Yes, oh my she god. She didn't get her little charm premonition. Well, she does in the next episode. That's I just true. put it's terrible. I put his link so hit in the bottle. Oh my god. Because he was he was on a he was on a rager. You mean it's so stressful, you know, becoming a Thundercat is one thing. Once you finally actually get the title, it's it's a heavy burden to bear, yes. Burden it to is. bear. But there's this great shot while Lionel is asking them what happened, and Pumira's face is reflected in the sword of omens. I yeah, it's, love it's it. incredible. It's only there for like a few frames. That's how we come out of the flashback, is we see Pumira's face reflected in the blade of the sword. I don't why, I don't know, but it's cool. Just another thing that they added into this this episode. What has the Eye of Thundera's sight beyond sight got to do with this? Linkso couldn't tell us. He kept babbling about masks and books and a child. And what are the hills of Elfshima? The forgotten range of hills beyond Mumra's pyramid. Linkso is a grand old warrior who has fought every form of evil. What could his hands have seen to affect him so terribly? There's no way of knowing. There is a way. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. I see nothing but an ancient book. Yet there's an uneasy feeling that... that... 
Sword of Omens, show me more. The sword lost the vision. Whatever that volume is, its powers are unfathomable. I do love that we get this flashback that it's been happening since last night. You know, they've been dealing with this all night. We get to see the tower at night all lit up, which is really cool. Yes. And there's something about, like, he's interpreting through the railboard that, you know, this book that, that has been uncovered, which we'll find out about in the next scene. And he says, the pages turn and the words bring madness. And it's like, have you ever read anything by Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft? exactly what i was thinking of yeah it's like these ancient evils that are a like so... whatever. not chichilla a chinchilla yes chinchillas bring madness to anyone the tentacles <laughs> chichula. Chichula. <laughs> it's the book of eggnog it's the book of eggnog sorry carry on zach <laughs> Chinchilla, Cthulhu, whatever. But the point is, like, when when the the character in these stories discovers the ancient evil, it just it's like it's so confounding that it drives him, it drives you crazy. Like it's it's like an ancient thing that is beyond our comprehension, and it just drives you mad. That's what I get from from this. And God does it drive you mad because we see how so many things are intertwined in this whole thing between the masks, the child, the book. Yes, it would drive you crazy. And it's it's funny. You say Chitara didn't get a premonition, but the Eye of Thundera didn't warn anybody either. Like, not only does is Link so clued into the book, he's clued into Mumra's whole plan. And Eye of Thundera doesn't yes! warn anybody, which is, I think, given what happens down the line, really a really interesting choice. We had this whole thing in the season finale last year. We were defending Lionel's feline vanity. Do you remember this, Bunglers and Zach? Yes. Do you remember that? <laughs> so honestly, though, I think this is where his feline... I could say he has feline vanity today because Lionel... What happened, Lionel? I mean, does this go back again to, you know, the ho the movie, Zach, when we were talking about that, like, He's so, like, gun-ho all of a sudden. Like, this is what we're doing. I'm going now. He offended me. Does he do Sight Beyond Sight at this point? Yeah, he uses Sight Beyond Sight, and he sees the book. And I don't know if you if you caught this. The book has, like, a bookmark. It's this giant book with, like, weird little writings, and it has a bookmark. And the bookmark has a tiny little ghost on it. No, I did not Does see it? that. I just thought, <laughs> I noticed the bookmark. It's this, like, cute little charm. Uh, but then the vision cuts The vision cuts out. Like, the sword shows it for a moment, and then it just... But doesn't out. he go... Lion also goes, Short of Omen, show me more. He's like, yeah. we gotta dig a little deeper. Show me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Does he have a car? Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a gigantic book. And then we go to the pyramid to figure out what the hell's going on. And we see Mumra with the giant book. The Norfagnaj. Not thank, the you. thank you, thank you, Zach. Thank you for Not saying the eggnog that. The eggnog book, Ryan. <laughs> of course, David mentioned Phoebe from Charmed earlier, but I wrote Evil has the Book of Shadows because this book is being used by Mumra. Do you remember? In I don't, I'm, I don't know Charmed as well as you do, but there's a. I think it's in a later season. There's a there's an evil book called the yes. Grimoire. Yes, yes. And that's like that's what this book reminds me of. It's like an like an evil book of spells. Truly, this evil ancient book because clearly it's we find out Mumra says which David, you were saying that Third Earth, right? So he says something about, basically, it was always evil. I wrote this down somewhere. Yeah, he a says- A time when um, there was no light, right? And no happiness. Yeah, the book is a history of Third Earth, Third Earth specifically, from a time when there was no light, no joy, and all was evil. Sounds like my years in retail. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> 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 
Maybe Mumra was right all along. He believes what he believes. He is trying to bring Third Earth back to the glory of evil. These Thundercats are really, really are. Yeah, not they're the not following the HOA rules of Third Earth. Now, we're not talking about the rules of First, no. first Earth or Second Earth. We're talking about Third Earth. Oh, so you're saying since it's been Third I'm gonna Earth. I'm going to do it this way. Dinosaurs were yeah. First Earth. Human beings were Second Earth. And Mumra and the Thundercats are Third Earth. If you want to go with the premise that Earth is... I have a different take, which is that I think First Earth, I think we're in First Earth right now. And there's, okay. there's some calamity is going to mark the beginning of a Second Age. And then another calamity will start third earth i think it's a renegade planet that came between the earth and the moon thundar the barbarian what, what? Well, i was gonna say a planet that came between the moon and the earth that's 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 thundar the barbarian that's the premise of thundar the barbarian yeah, that's what lays that's the apocalypse it's the planet it's uh N- N- nibiru right naboo from star wars no but okay so my question for you two gentlemen is is Mumra a mummy from Egypt for yeah. like First Earth? Yes. Were they okay? So they weren't mummifying people in the second. We get that flashback in Dimension Doom where he's facing Wizra in ancient Egypt. Oh, Wizra! And he breaks and he breaks the Sphinx's nose. Hold me close. You're right. You're right. Wizra. He does break the, the nose. Yes. Okay. So so he's been around. Mumra's lasted. He is like share and cockroaches. <laughs> mm-hmm. They will be here forever. So. <laughs> Oh my god, we are so off. <laughs> the book, the book, the book. Q, yes, Mumra flipping these pages, and I love how he's reading them, to, and he's talking to Mama. He's telling the story of how he found it, that Mama dug it up while looking for a bone. He was so tickled by that, too, Zach. A mummy's oh, best friend. <laughs> a mummy's best friend. And then he interrupts himself. He says, enough! <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, enough of this stuff. He's Telling himself to shut up so he can get down to business. So is this the part where where our two our two friends come in? Okay, well, he does say right. Okay. He says Tugmog and Chilla, and they break. That's when they break through this random part of the pyramid. And Chilla is like, <laughs> "Why this urgency? Like, what? What? <laughs> why? She's so nonchalant. It's great. I love her in this episode. <laughs> she oh was get, She's like, I was going to a gold sale at the Breble Village, getting a facial from Robert Bill. Chilla! Chilla! Fogmug! Chilla! Why this urgency, Mumra? I have summoned you for a very special mission. Do you know the treetop kingdom of the warrior maidens? That pack of muscle-bound Brunhildes? 
The maidens are charged with the guarding of a certain mask. The mask of Gorgon. It is embedded in the trunk of Shemlock, the oldest and mightiest tree in the kingdom. Destroy the tree! Free the mask of Gorgon and bring it to me! We find out that the mask is being protected by the warrior maidens in a tree that is facing the opposite way away from the hills. So the mask cannot face the hills. Correct. And the, and it's, it has a name. It's like the Shemlock is the name of the tree and it's the tallest tree in the kingdom. I have that written down. Did anybody get like a biblical vibe from this between the Lovecraft? Just the whole like the hills of El Shiva, the Norvok Nazg, whatever it's called. All these different things. It was giving me very biblical or grand, even the giant, like 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 David versus Goliath too, with the child, like every. I just it was giving me very like biblical. I don't know. Even just tales that were passed down, these mythical. Yeah, tales. like ta- like like tales of uh, yeah, of giants, generational of giants. What I love most about this episode is the sort of like to- Tolkien. Sorry, Ryan. Tolkien would use the <laughs> the word the term historicity, the illusion of history of like deep lore, mm-hmm. and like the episode pulls from all these different sort of mythological. T- touch points that we have but matches them up in a new way i didn't get biblical so much but i did get that sort of like old you know all of these things are very old and it it like it it makes the mythology of third earth it deepens it in a really intriguing way yeah because if you're thinking about a a tree that is the tallest oldest tree that's been there redwood well yeah forever redwood it's a redwood just saying that's what i'm gonna go with it's a redwood okay i'll say the redwood forest Nada. Oh, you have to do the voice, Ryan. You have to do the voice. Well, she didn't appear yet. <laughs> I love that Chilla says, after after Mumra instructs them to go and get this mask from, she's like, those muscle-bound Brunhildes. <laughs> yeah, that was the best. <laughs> the pack of muscle-brown Brunhildes with that voice. <laughs> oh my goodness. So good. And then he says, go to the trunk of Sh- Shemlock? Shemlock. Like Hemlock, but with a sh. Like, okay, Shemlock, and bring it to me now! He screams, Mumra, bring it to him now. So, are the Lunatacks getting in this position that they're evidently the new mutants for Mumra? Or, like, are they still their own thing? Because a lot of these plots lately have been making the Lunatacks almost like being controlled by Mumra in the sense that you do this, I'm telling you to do this, and before it was kind of, we're our own thing. We don't need Mumra. Well, like you said last time, it's like every episode he's He's using a new lunatic to like put them out there. That's right. <laughs> he just trusts that they're more capable. I think the mutants have proven that they're kind of not great. When he when you send them out on a mission, you can't count on them doing it correctly. We find out that he's not actually interested in them bringing the mask, that it's all just a test. But he does trust that they can get the job done quickly. And they do. Chilla, oh my gosh. They, they go to the treetop kingdom and Chilla freezes the entire tree in like one breath and every every poor little warrior maiden who's standing on the tree gets frozen 
And then you have Willa. Willa that gets off on a vine. She's like, do it, Ryan. She's like, I have to go to get the Thundercats. That's why she did say that. She said, who? Well, first off, Nita said, who are they, Willa? And she has no idea. She's like, we haven't been involved in this plot. We don't know who these lunatics are. But yeah, she goes off and says, I have to get the Thundercats. How? Like... Is that <laughs> she's really feeling the Thundercats now? Like she's, she's feeling part the, of the fantasy. Team. She's feeling the fantasy. Oh. She's got to get the Thundercats. Gotta get help, Thundercats! Ho! It's funny she might not have done that. Like in, in season one, she oh, wanted no. to hold her own and defend the kingdom on her own. But here she's like, nope, this is this is big. I've got to go. <laughs> they fro- she don't trust cat people. She saw Cats the musical too movie. She she wasn't <laughs> feeling she, it. Her Nada. I wrote, where is the war- early warning system? I I noticed that they're they happen to be at Shem- like they're they're at Shemlock. Like yeah, they're there. We've never, we've never we've never seen this tree before. We've seen other parts of the kingdom, but we've never seen, and they happen to be there. And it made me wonder if maybe they also got some sort of vibe or warning that something oh. was about to go down, and so they were like, we have to go protect the mask. That makes more sense, Zach, as other than them just randomly being in front of this tree when they came. Exactly. So you see at some point, like Zach had just said, Mumra going back to like the whole use of the lunatics. I have two things for me to say about it. One, in the episode where it was, what was it? Was it Psych? Psych out. Psych out where the Thundercats, like Chilla is at the Tower of Omens and she's like, I'm done. I'm not playing this game. I'm done. I feel like just like the mutants, the lunatics have discovered and figured out the Thundercats are not that easily taken down. You're not so you're not so hot yourselves. They've been able to push you back multiple occasions. You're not as great as you think you are. So now they're falling into line. I think the mutants are completely like, oh, God, whatever. I don't even want to try anymore. I miss them. Please bring my ship up. Can we get the ship and we can get out of this planet? Please, Mumra, just make our ship come up from the sand so we can get out of here because they've had it. Where, and I think the lunatics are falling into line. They realize they're not so, they're not saying it, but they're not so amazing that they can take them down and, you know, one one dealing with them and it's over. And also Mumra does use, Mumra does use them to make sure the mask can turn people to stone because he's like, oh, hmm. Tug mug and chill it and stone. I guess it works now when I can call for it. Hey, this baby is solid silver. Strange. Why are the eyes closed? They're opening. Turned her instantly, and Tug Mug was like, "Oh my god!" Oh no, I'm I'm gonna push the mask down. The mask got up, smiled. Yeah, he pushes it down. Tug Mug just like hits the mask and it puts it on its face, and he thinks that's gonna be it. Nope. And then we find out that the mask is, like, alive, and its hair, it has, like, prehensile hair, and it, like, creeps its way up the tree. It's it's super spooky. It has Christine right? Aguilera, it has Christine Aguilera, Lady Marmalade hair. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but there's, like, a random, right? Like, it's, like, one thing has, like, a snake head or something on It's, like, a weird... A happy, it looks like a happy demon face These or something. These little goblins, these little goblins, goblins. Yes. Like smiling. We actually should mention that there was a rain of arrows from the warrior maidens. Like they did shoot continuously at Chilla and Tugmik. So they did. If it wasn't for her breath power, they were surrounded by arrows. So good for them. Oh right. So the mask laughs by by the way. It doesn't. It doesn't. Oh yeah. Laugh. In in the next scene. So. <laughs> well, it's not a laughing cow. That's right. Because we're at the pyramid, right? And. That, yeah, so we go back to the pyramid. Yeah, and Mumra has been watching this whole thing on the cauldron, just, just enjoying the show. He's so happy with this. 
And that's where we find out that it was really just a test. He says, poor little lunatics. <laughs> <laughs> but he wanted to make sure the mask worked. And so sure now did. he's going to actually summon it. And now he took down, technically, this is actually what worked to his plan. He took down two of the most powerful lunatics, in my opinion, of the group. He doesn't have to deal with them. If they stay stone, he doesn't have to deal with them anymore. So if he wants to get rid of the other group, so they don't want to take over Third Earth anymore, he's already got them two down. Well, Chilla, honestly, with that breath, like we're saying, it covers so much that it really, she is a force. But, well, speaking of little ghosts, this book had the cutest little ghosts that continuously flew out of the book. The spirits that were Umumra was summoning kept flying out of this book. Yeah, they go like swirling out the top of the pyramid to go grab the mask. Which is so funny. The whole thing that Mumra has this giant book, it just tickles me pink the whole time that he, when he flipping these pages... Just the whole, the whole scene. Free now from the bark of Shemlock, I have only to find the proper incantation to call it here. Have no fear, the mask of Gorgon cannot harm its master. Ah! Here is the incantation. Do you have the incantation of the spell he does to draw the mask? <laughs> do you want me to do it? Yes, do please. it. Do it. Oh, God. Okay. You mummy. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Pretend you have a book. You have a book in front of you. You're reading. You have a large book. <laughs> I'm with my bony finger. Mask of Gorgon, silver white. I now claim thy evil might. Come to me through mystery's mesh, flesh to stone, and stone to flesh. There we go. Thank ah! you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> that was great. This, I want to say, is when Lion Oak uses the sword. Yeah, so the, so the, uh, Mumra gets the mask, and the mat, like you're saying, the mask laughs, and like, like, they're laughing together, and the mask is like, is like vibrating, and, and it's made of metal, it's made of silver, so it's like, it's like, chink, 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 chink. <laughs> It's like bobbing up and down. <laughs> and then we we go back to the lair. They're at the table again talking. Oh, yes. Yes, Matesh's table. Mitesh. Your table's being used. You say the lunatics froze Nada, then stole a mask? The mask of Gorgon. Forest creatures have always tended it. But why was it embedded in the bark of that tree? So that it always faced westward, away from the hills of Elshima. Blast. Those Elshima hills again. Why? The answer lies buried in the Norvag Nage. Norvag Nage? It's not lost anymore, for I have seen it. We both have seen it. Linkso! And what my hands perceived drove me mad. But time is short. We must find that mask before... The hills of Elfshema. Easy, old friend. Here, sit. What do those blasted hills have to do with all this? The child. The child. Don't you understand? Find that mask. He's like, tell us what happened. <laughs> tell us what happened. Panther's gonna tell you that you don't know your own sister in another scene. Jumping ahead. But yes, Will is telling him that the creatures of the forest. Yeah, have always tended the mask. And, oh, and then it always faces away from the hills of Elfshima. And Panther's like, God damn it, these hills again. Like, what's the big deal with these hills? And Willa doesn't know. She knows that it's the it's their job to guard it and that it should face west. 
but she doesn't know why. She says, oh, it's the, those secrets are in this book, in the Norvagnage. And, and Lionel suddenly recognizes the name of the book, and he's like, oh, I've seen that book. This is, again, like Jaga saying, Jaga told me about this talisman. It increases the power. <laughs> oh, like, Lionel is either doing extra research at night, or I just, it's just so convenient lately. But okay, I mean, it's possible, right? It's possible. But I do love that, that it adds to the mystery that Willa, you're right, Zach, doesn't know the whole situation, but she does knows that we all got to protect this. I'm assuming the unicorn keeper comes on some certain days to complain. <laughs> he gives a respite. He like, they gives it, you know, respite, like, we'll take over for now. And do you think Chitara is thinking to the back of her mind, like, that's pure silver. And it oh, is it silver? She couldn't <laughs> She's like, white gold, white gold, David. That is Chitara, that white gold. <laughs> I mean, it's gigantic. So I love that, that this whole mystery, we still don't know what's going on. Like Mumra has this plan. There's clearly like some deep, despicable, evil thing going on. That, and still, we don't know what it is. And I, I love that about this, that the mystery just lasts so long. Even now, when yes. it's in, in this scene, Linkso comes in, and you're like, "Oh, finally, he's going to tell us what's going on." But then he like he, he loses up. his he mind again. <laughs> he woke up, but he's like in he's like all loopy still. He's babbling. Like, you need to get. But he does pull it together to say, "You can't just rush in. You need to let me do this with you. Let me help you." And then I think it's that point where is that where Lionel does head sight beyond on the table. Even though, even yeah, even though oh. Linkso says that sight beyond sight is actually yes evil, evil. it's going to cause a problem. He's like, nope, I got to do it. And that's what right when Lionel does the sight beyond sight. He's talking to Mumra directly. And Mumra and and sight beyond sight shows him Mumra and the mask, and Mumra talks to him through sight beyond sight. Which I love. So do you saying that Mumra knows he's being looked upon? Yeah, I, I love that about this, yes. Ah, Lionel, cast the eye upon Terra, upon the mosque of Gorgon. This is the real power. You haven't the courage to recapture the mask of Gorgon. You would call me coward? Let's go, Panthro. We'll show Mumra who... D don't be impetuous. The power of the mask when combined with the eye of Pandera. Terrible. Wait till I can guide you. The child must not live again. We can't wait. We have to do something. And do it now. Ho! Do you think he's looking in the cauldron, seeing yes. Lionel do sight beyond sight? And yes. he's like, mm, I got a two-way two -way mirror That's here. That's what I think it is. It's like a camera watching a camera, watching someone watching you. I think that, like, in the same way that Mumra can see Jaga, like, he sees Jaga in Thundercats Ho at the end yes. with the Star of Thundera, and he sees him again in another episode later, in a later season. I like the idea that it's, like, this little extra-dimensional, like, portal that, you know, like, if, if it's watching you and you're, like, attuned correctly, you can you can... You can see it like a window. You can see Lionel looking at you. Oh, maybe it's more like this. You're like, you're hiding in the closet from the bad guy. And you're like peeking through a little hole. And then he turns and looks at you. Oh, like, oh my God. Yeah, that's uh, good. Chilly. But here, Mumra, Mumra isn't trying to be creepy. He's just trying to like goad Lionel to like piss him off and, and appeal to his, like you said, his feline vanity, his pride. You're not, you're not courageous enough to come and take to get this mask. You're right. Linkso says, don't do it. Throws his head on the table. Very dramatic. I love that he and Chitara have been studying drama. 
They know how to do a scene. Link says, like, no, no, oh, no. Only I could do it. Wait for me. Nope, nope, nope. We gotta go. We gotta go. And Panthro is complicit here. Like, it's funny. I I, I buy Lionel being impetuous like this. Yes. And I also buy Panthro as, like, the one character who could also be hot-headed enough to go along with him. But I don't really buy Panther not not being the adult in the room. Yes, yes. So your Lionel has not learned his lesson, though. This is his hubris. He's going to continue to go down this. Lo- like you wouldn't have, like what you wouldn't have thought that he was, like if you did sight behind sight and saw that, you wouldn't think that he was trying to get him there, knowing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. wouldn't you think to your head, "This is a trap. Let me come up with something different." Yeah. Also, it's not unclear what the urgency is even about. Yeah, because they, they, you're right. They don't know what is happening with this child, the hills. It's like there's this ticking clock, but it's not clear why they think that. Child? What? what Link's no child. What? <laughs> Someone's having a baby? What? <laughs> My favorite part about this whole thing is Linkso's hands see. What did your hands see that was so hard? Like, the thought of him seeing in his hands. Like, I just love that. Or do you think it's like a a sixth sense that he has that Linkso has? Like maybe when we we're making the joke, or you're making the joke about how he sees, but is it possible that Linkso in his mind actually sees? So oh yeah, there there is this thing with people that are blind, and I'm going to probably get this wrong. People that are born blind and cannot see anything, and people that have that used to see that had sight that are blinded, where they can see in their mind, like when we close our eyes and think of something, we can visualize an image where someone that has never seen an image, I think cannot visualize if I'm like, I, what is a tree? I, I think. Right, yeah. But you can physically see in your mind, the picture of a tree in your mind, if you've seen a tree before. So right. maybe Linkso can physically see these things in his mind as part of his abilities that we have not explored as oh, much. I so maybe that. when he sees things, he really does see things. That's really interesting that the signals are actually giving him like visual impulses in his, in his brain. But what you're saying, David is like, you know, is true. Clearly Linkso does know that something bad is going to happen, but he hasn't shared it yet. So I, I'm, I'm wondering why the other Thundercats also are acting like there's some impending urgent thing Doom. happening. Maybe because of Linkso's such an erratic, be- his such erratic behavior that they've never experienced something like that before. That there, there's got to be something though, terribly wrong because he is. Oh yeah, when Chitar gets zapped by That's the. I was gonna say if she, they've gone through worse with that when Chitar's body's electrocuted, <laughs> like literally being electrocuted by something. No, but I think you're right, Dave. It's something that they they could tell that there's something off with Linkso, and I guess something. Yes. Something well, he is happened. telling them it has something has to be done about it, but he's also saying, "Please step back because I need to help you. I'm yes, the one wait. that can help you do this. Please wait for me. He Please is wait. The lead. I'm telling you, he is the so. breakout star of Thundercats season two for sure. So Lionel, Willa, and Panthro decide to go to the Black Pyramid, and guess who's waiting outside? Nada, Naida, Nada. Look for an entryway. Hold it up ahead. It's it's Nada. But how? I knew you'd be coming. I got here first. I found an entrance this way. Sister, you escaped Chilla's icy grasp? Yes, Nada. What? I mean Willa. Come quickly, all of you. There's something wrong here, Panthro. You worry as much as Linkso. Come on. The mask is gone. Mumbra must have hidden it. We've no time to waste. 
Use the eye again, Lionel. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. I'll give you a sight. This scene kind of pisses me off that Panthro just dismisses her because it's Mumra. By the way, it's Mumra. We have him being fabulous again. He's finally taken on a female appearance again. Yes, Mumra, but he don't know who who is who. And he's like, oh, Nada. Oh, Willa, Willa. It's a... Uh... <laughs> it's, it's so it's so good. I, I love this scene so much. I agree that Panthro dismissing Willa's concerns is kind of not cool. Misogynistic, very misogynistic. Yeah, a little bit, or like, you know, dismissing her. There, there are only a handful of times when Mumra assumes a disguise and we don't know already. Yes, um, yes. I think the last time is Gregory Gregian in All the Glitters, where we don't know. But but in that episode, we find out when the Thundercats find out. Like, it's we all learn at once. The suspense that's created here by us Figuring it out and them not knowing is so good. And just with one little line of dialogue, yes, Nada, I mean Willa. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so good. My sister, she don't know who I am. And Willa doesn't know enough about Mumra to to know that this is probably Mumra in disguise. She just knows that something's very this is this is not right. Something's something bad is happening, but she doesn't have enough knowledge to to know exactly what it is. And I think that's why Panthro just dismisses her as being a worrywart. Like Ling So. He's like, oh, you're like that old yeah. man Ling So. My God. Yes. And I do love that Willa's like, how did you get unfrozen and yeah. end up here of all places? But they go in and honestly, they give me the best moment of this episode, which is <laughs> Nada to Mumra is the best thing you've, you you thought you never saw it before. Something like this. That head. When it with turned. Hair. <gasps> I we get Mumra hard. with hair. Taking his wig off. He was taking his wig off. It was a lace front wig he took off. Hair, your hair, your hair. Yes, Nada. I mean Willa. I shudder to show you this. I mean Willa. I think of Mumra does drag. This is what I want to remember forever. Like I want him remember him with the Nada hair and like this is my personal. This is my personal Mumra journey. But anyway, oh my god, to Wang Fu, thanks for everything, yeah, Mumra. Yeah, I want this. To, I want Mumra to do this all the time. But again, this is a great. Like Zach is saying, this reveal is fantastic. Guess what? The mask. The mask is there, and it's Mumra. And what happens? Turns them all to stone. And he's got the Eye of Thundera right there. Lionel, your foolish pride has delivered you into my hands along with the Sword of Omens. It is written that when the Mask of Gorgon has sight beyond sight, then it not only turns flesh to stone, but stone to fresh observe. And I, I realized something just in the, yesterday when I was rewatching for the first, I mean, I've seen this episode a lot, but I just clicked, something just clicked for me yesterday, which is that why is Mumra doing this? Like, why is he disguising himself as Nada to lead them inside? What does he need? And I noticed that Lionel draws out the sword. They 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 get into the the you know the throne room and, the, and with the cauldron, and Nada N- Mum Nada is like, where where the mask was here? Where is it? Where did it go? And Lionel uses he takes out the sword and uses sight beyond sight. And I think that Mumra needed him to do that 
Oh, activate it. It needs to be engaged. In, the the, sword the needs crossbars to be need to be curled up. Sapion site needs to be primed, ready to go. And that so he's so smart. And so it is really smart. Uh, and so he, once that happens, then the mask shows up. He turns them to stone, and he gets. He has the sword just the way he needs it for the next step. It's literally the sword is frozen in position. Yeah. Basically. Wow. When he does, I love that shot of the mask doing sight beyond sight or, you know, using the, the, the eyes. Yeah. So now everything is falling into place and we're finally, we're like, the mystery is finally about to be revealed, right? So Mumra grabs the sword by the blade, which. Yes. You go, yes. Mumra. Like, that's pretty badass. Just grabbing the sword by the blade. And then this passageway opens this like dedicated passageway in the in the pyramid with a direct line of sight to the hills of Elfshima, which i love this i think it's like it's it's what it's again one of these things that's like what whatever this is has like deep roots in the mythology of everything like the fact that yes. the pyramid has this, this yes. like, straight line of sight to the hills is on purpose and he and he gives us this little tease he says see how the hills might resemble a sleeping form and we're like what what are you, what? Mumra, what are you on about, Mumra? Why are you talking like this? I'm calling Mumra Moana. I'm calling Mumra Moana because, you know. Is that what happens in the Tahiti? movie? To what, what's the, yeah, you never saw, you never saw Moana. Did you see, Mo, you, Zach, have you seen? I've not seen Moana. <gasps> I know, I know, oh, I know. No. I know. There's a, there's a, there is a, a, a volcano that's, or like a spirit that is sleeping, that is a stone that turns Giant. into, yeah, it's, it's completely the whole shebang. Well, you know what, Moana? We have Mumrana. That's who we have on this show, taking our hills. Our hills. Um, did you also notice that the that the the beams or the balls that come out of the mask are blue, and they go through the sword, and they become red yeah. and shoot out? Is that the whole flesh to stone and stone to flesh? Flesh, like, or is it just because the sword? Because the sword is red. A lot of red involved with the sword. I thought that was. I just. I like that little point. I don't know why. There's a lot of little details in this episode, yeah. Yeah, because this mystery is being unraveled slowly. So Mumra opens the passageway. Oh, it resembles a sleeping form. And then we're <laughs> then we cut to Linkso. And we learn that like uh, suddenly Linkso is like awake and cogent and he's like, We gotta go. And Bengali is like, No, no, you have to rest. And he's like, No, girl, we have to go right now. <laughs> Bengali, you better hold my wig. Johanna <laughs> <Get your laughs> and go. <laughs> It is happening. We must stop it. Ready the thunderstrike. Get me behind my braille board. No, you can't. I must. Or it means the end of Third Earth. And they're in the thunderstrike. And this is where we learn that Elfshima is an anagram. for I, I loved this. For I am flesh. It's an anagram. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw this episode, I was like, 11 or 12. It was one of the episodes I didn't see when I was really little. I was older when I saw it. Uh, my mind was blown. It's a little moment that just stands out so much. Faster! Faster! It's almost daybreak! But why the hills of Elfshima? Look at your monitor screen. There is the word. Elfshima. Norvag Naj revealed to me that it is an anagram. A puzzle. I rearrange the letters, and I am flesh. Not a range of hills, but a sleeping giant. 
A giant turned to stone thousands of years ago. A gigantic evil slave. And whoever masters this creature masters Third Earth. We will destroy the Gorgon. I have a way. It's a little weird that it's an English anagram, but whatever, I'll let it slide. I wonder if people watching this episode in other languages are like, what? what? <laughs> Still an anagram. <laughs> Still an anagram, just doesn't make sense. It's in Thundarian. Uh, and so it's not a range of hills, but a sleeping giant, the child of Gorgon. This blows Bengali's mind as well. Yeah. <laughs> blows mine, mind too, y'all. I want to know who slept with Gorgon to get that baby. <laughs> Burbles. Burbles. Ah! <laughs> no, no. No. But this is one of those things for anyone who watched Thundercats back on the Cartoon Network in the 90s. They use this Bengali quote in commercials all the time. And a child! Lots of snippets from it are used in that one in a one ad on Cartoon Network. It's that line from the beginning where it keeps he kept babbling about masks and books and a child. And then but also the shot that you're talking about, David, with with Mumra holding the sword and the, the balls turning from blue to red. That shot is used in the ad. And I remember again when I was eleven or twelve, I finally got all the episodes on tape and seeing that ad in like people had taped them off Cartoon Network on these tapes. And I was seeing that ad, I was like, What is this episode? They're constantly quoting. So I, there was a lot, of, a lot of hype and buildup for me, like going through the series, watching new episodes, waiting for what this episode was going to be. I was like, what are the hills of Elfshima? That's a great, like, I don't know. <laughs> and what are the hills of, yeah, it was like, so like, yeah, what is this mystery? Yeah. So now, so this is, this is when Mumra explains that it is written that when the Mask of Gorgon is, when you combine the Mask of Gorgon with Sight Beyond Sight, it can not only turn flesh to stone, but stone to flesh. <laughs> but stone to flesh! Uh, yeah, you can picture yeah, him going really. crazy over this, yes. And mm-hmm. the, and I love this because it's like it's this like ancient connection between the Mask of Gorgon, which is demonstrably like an evil artifact, and the Eye of Thundera, which isn't supposed to be evil. What are the odds, right? Like, what are the... Yeah, that this had to line up with this, to line up with this, to cause this. I love the, like, how... It, it sort of, I don't know, it just, it feels like a, a deepening of the mythology of like, oh, what, what does that imply about the history of these two things? I don't know, but it's, it's it implies something. And it also, to me, explains maybe a little bit why the Eye of Thundera has been so passive this whole time, why it didn't issue warnings. Ooh. Why it didn't show Lionel much about the, the book, because there's some sort of connection here that, you know, was preventing it. That makes more sense, honestly. That makes a lot of sense. Because you're right, how would these two things from two different planets, unless there was some kind of connection greater than everything that lines up like that, truly? The giant's head, a little small. (laughs) A little small for this body, I feel like. I don't know about you guys, but... Tiny little giant brain. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I guess it's a great design. The face matches the mask. The flowing hair, like I said, lion hair. I feel like lion hair is reaching everyone on Third Earth. It's becoming the style. The sleeping giant has this flowing hair. And I think, again, Linkso comes up with such a fantastic plan for this. Because it's like a gigantic stone. I'm assuming he's mountainous. He's made out of stone? 
but well flesh. now he's made out of flesh, flesh. but he's, still, he's he's huge is the ear kind of looks stonish still i wonder if parts <laughs> i wonder if the inside is stone and the outside is flesh <laughs> it's got some rocky earwax yeah the eardrum the eardrum the inner ear yeah so they they they, they, they pile up the thunderstrike into the giant's ear canal the giant is so big. Like, I think there are a few shots that suggest how big it is. Like, when he sits up, he's wiping the clouds out of his face. That was great, yeah. And, like, early on when we first see the hills, Lionel says miles and miles of ugly rock formations, which means that he's, like, miles tall. So this is a big... Oh, you call it ugly Lionel. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the, the, so it's not a surprise that the Thunderstrike can fly into the ear. Like, that's how big he is. What a journey into this ear, by the way. <laughs> Swimmer's ear! Had to have hurt. But it takes what? Linkso decides he's gonna blast. He's using some kind of cannon, right? We're gonna And he's gonna shoot inside the eardrum, exploding it? Just to, like, upset your balance. It's like Swimmer's ear. Like, if you get, like, a, like you know, your inner ear controls your balance. So his thought is, okay, if we can get the giant off balance, he'll fall. And that'll, that'll help. <laughs> and sure enough... That's all it's they they were able to just get out just in time from the ear. We go through the tunnel system again of the ear and they get out, which I love this. Well, the and this makes the mask smash apart. Wait, 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 no, wait, 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 wait. Mumra's like, this ain't in the book. Oh, is that what he's This is not the earthquake. <laughs> it's like <laughs> No! No! This is not in the book! What is happening? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He wrote, right, this is not in the book. Yeah, he did say this. And he's like, earthquake. And then he falls. And then this is the part that I get annoyed with, because this is the only part of this episode I get annoyed. So there's an earthquake because of the rippling effect. Obviously, this very yeah. large, super tall, big being is falling. Everything's shaking. The pyramid's shaking. The mask is falling. Mamra falls out of the side of the pyramid and is holding onto a ledge. You can fly. Yes. You can fly. <laughs> Maybe the wind you wasn't can fly, You can fly. You can fly. You can fly. You can fly. Yes. <laughs> You're right, but could fly. it be that? Fly. No, fly, Mumra. You're not in your... Mu Even the mummy form, when he's as weak as he can still float, can do yeah. something. I'm going to say fly. there was a riptide, and it, the equilibrium even made Mumra fall, fall off from No, that. this is the second time he's done that. When he was climbing up the side of the pyramid okay, was, with the with the... Ball, the exploding, ball, yeah. The exploding. Fly. Fly, my little friend. Fly. Yes, but when he crawled, I love that dramatic King Kong climbing up the pyramid. It's like he doesn't want to win. <laughs> it's like he just doesn't want you, right? But, David, the, what got me, though, was in that same little, you know, that new square that Mumra has in the pyramid that opened... You know, his new van, his point that he could look out on Third Earth and the hills and everything. He's like, when that book appears again, I'll be ready and I'll get you. The book is right in his tomb all of a sudden again. Like, it appears but, right in front of the sarcophagus. But then the Sword of Omens decides. <laughs> That's the burn book. I'm going to torch this book. <laughs> burning books. That's it is a book burning. Yeah, that's Good old-fashioned book burning. And it restores everyone to flesh again once this everything happens. Everyone becomes Chilla and Tugmug, become flesh. The warrior maidens, I'm assuming, thaw out <laughs> from, from everything. <laughs> no more, they have no more digits. They have no more fingers or toes because they're all frostbitten from being frozen for all that time. They're dead. I just have to mention, I think there's two mess-ups here. 
one big one well david yes david and i were talking about it off camera there is a nata and and will our voices i think it's interesting that the mask falls and it breaks into like a million little pieces like it was really fragile for silver get a dented but they but also they've been guarding it for thousands of years that is why true. if they could just have destroyed it why guard it i don't know but chitara better run yourself over there and get the remnants of that silver <laughs> Melt them she down. could have she could you have. too can have a piece of the mask of gorgon and you're oh new from god. the chitara swiss mint oh my god she's so i'm making commemorative <laughs> mask of gorgon commemorative coins it's the gorgon collection you can get bracelets <laughs> you can get earrings <laughs> I love that a piece of the mask of Gorg destroyed. The mask destroyed. But nothing we as we know in in as we know about Mumra, nothing evil truly is destroyed. So maybe the book will come around again somehow. Maybe the book will come around again. You never know. Well, the Sword of Omens had to inflict some vengeance. That's it. But you're right. This, the the book does keep sort of disappearing and reappearing and disappearing and reappearing. It's very strange. Is it waiting for Mama to discover it again? It's like a, it, its <laughs> yeah. own game. Mama must discover me again. It's also interesting that like Mumra is so fixated on this one thing in the book. There must be other stuff in that book. But he's like, he's so fixated on the child. Um, I think that's interesting. Someone should have had their cauldron camera out and take pictures of those incantations. <laughs> photocopy of the would have been yeah. I would have been taking my iPhone. Ching, oh, another page. Ching. The cat phone. That's better. But where is the Eye of Thundera? There! Let's hope those terrible secrets are lost forever. Thundercats! Thunder, 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 thundercats! So, I feel like the mess-ups that happen is... They forget that Nada is not really at the pyramid. No, no, no. I I get the sense that there's some time has elapsed. Okay. They got to they they got to the pyramid in the thunder tank, but in the end they're all on the thunder strike. And yeah, Nada is in the back seat of the thunder strike with Willa. So I, I was imagining that they like they go back to the treetop kingdom. They thaw everybody if they weren't already thawed and then they take them they want to take nada back to the lair for soup or something oh that's oh snarf better get to work hope you're making some snarf snoop soup right now but you're right snarf snoop. The, the... <laughs> snarf snoop. you're right that the voices get switched right like willa has nada's voice and nada has willa's voice are they both wrapped up in blankets as well they are it's it's all it's just an animation mistake the voices are right given the yes. dialogue <laughs> yeah it's just it's just the voice it's just the animation is wrong we don't know who we are today, Lion-O. Chew! Wait till I meet that chiller again! Some of Snarf's soup will cure that cold. Linkso, you were right. I should have waited for you. But Mumra made me so thundering angry. You needn't apologize. Just remember, actions taken in a fit of anger are seldom successful. And I guess there's nothing heroic about losing your temper. Yeah, hotheads get turned to stone and miss all the fun. You call being a living earache fun? <laughs> yeah, we, we get Lionel apologizing to Linkso. Despite, like, you know, this is Lionel again, sort of falling back on impetuous 
instincts, like, you know, sort of season one Lion-O vibes. Yes. The fact, that, the fact that he apologizes to Link So and it's like, I really should have waited for you. I, you know, I was angry. That is a, at least a little sign of maturity. And then Linkso, Linkso gives us the moral, which is that actions taken in a fit of anger seldom successful. But it's also, it's a lesson that Lionel has already learned. Like it's, it's a little time. frustrating that he has to learn this lesson again. Like yes. thinking back even to like Trouble with Time where we first meet Willa, he's, he wants to rush off to the cave of time and Jaga has to be like, no, like listen to this woman. What's the, what does he say? Sometimes you can save time by waiting and, fi- and finding out all there is to learn. Or what about when Chitara tells him pride is a good thing, but pride taken too far is foolishness. Yep, all these early lessons. Or, or, no, I'm just joking. I was going to say when he's fighting Mumra as King Arthur and Chitara's like, this is stupid. When is he going <laughs> to end this prideful show, like, of, of this whole thing? Like, fighting King Arthur. So, I mean, I get it. A ki- this does happen if you're a kid, right? But Lionel has gone through so many things, like we're saying, up to this point that it is kind of out of character for him. But... He's changed. He's changed. He's grown. He's matured. Or is he trying to impress the new Thundercats? He's got more muscles. Trying to impress Pumaira? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or, or, or Bengal. Pumaira better stay away from my man. Oh, you unless you. Wizra comes back. Through the mirror. Well, Chitara, you're gonna have to fight Chitara for that one. She, <laughs> she, I know he wants her. He wants her. Fantastic episode. And actually, Zach sent David and I a video about the writer of this episode. And I just want to leave this to Zach because I'm so glad that he brought this to our attention. Zach, the the writer of this episode, and a little yeah. So there are lots of Thundercats episodes written by like one-off writers. Um, and this is one of them. This writer only wrote this one episode. His name was Romeo Muller. And it's I think it's worth talking about him because he's he's just like this like legendary prolific writer. He'd been working with Rankin Bass since the 1960s. He wrote all of their holiday like Christmas specials. So name a special, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, Jack Frost. Little Drummer Boy. Little Drummer Boy, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Noel, all of these movies. He wrote all of them. He also wrote or like half of the Strawberry Shortcake specials in the 80s. It's funny, he he, he passed away in 1992. And so he, he's one of the writers that David Crichton wasn't able to interview for In Hear the Roar. But for this episode, he did interview or he did talk to Lee Daniker and Peter Lawrence about it. And they both said like, you know, obviously Romeo Muller was a tremendous writer, but they, their their memory was that his his typical storytelling style was a very sort of sweet and uh, like sentimental, right? Because when you think about like, you know, the spirit of Christmas and, uh, you know, all of those movies have a very sort of sentimental vibe to them. And their their memory was that the, the Thundercats wasn't really the right sort of genre for him, um, which is maybe why he only wrote the one. And I don't know how much of the script is him versus Peter Lawrence rewriting it. But I will say, in addition to all those things we just listed, he also had a like tremendous experience and knowledge of the fantasy genre. He wrote the screenplays for The Hobbit and The Return of the King, like the animated versions. Yeah, the cartoon the versions, yeah. He, he won a Peabody for The Hobbit. He also wrote the Flight of Dragons. I don't know if you've seen that before. It's like an 80s like wizard dragon movie, very like steeped in, in the fantasy genre. Oh, he wrote Return to Oz in the early 60s. That was actually the first television special he ever wrote and the first one that Rankin-Bass ever put out. So like... He, he understands this genre, and I think that's why, for me, I think that's why this episode shines so brightly, because 
it's just it it pulls on all these different fantasy and mythological tropes in like new and exciting ways yeah so shout out to romeo muller really a, a tremendous writer super duper talent and i think you know it's a shame he didn't maybe write more episodes because <laughs> regardless of what peter lawrence and lee daniker had to say i think that some, there, there's at least a nugget of this story that is very much him and i wish we'd been able to see more oh i was gonna say i think his style does fit in so much for the reasons you said but also thundercats at the end of everything is about heart and how you know, kind and loving these these Thundarians are for people and everything. And I think that those movies that he did, although his portrayal of Santa in so in I'm Rudolph gonna I'm gonna most- jump in on that. I'm gonna jump in on that. So something that was said in that interview. First of all, again, thank you, Zach, for bringing that to our attention because I would have never known one. And I was even saying I had like a very visceral response to it. Like I actually got visibly upset knowing this man is gone, even though it's so long ago. I didn't know because he really had a lot of uh, so many things he's done has shaped us it's actually really at the heart of our podcast in many ways i feel like is hope trying to bring people together laughter and that's what's one of the things they said he said he really his part of his thing was bringing hope to people and having that and and children and one of the things they said about his his bad guys they never were killed off they were either reformed or they were diminished by making them look foolish because of their behavior. And I loved that. I really love that. That's actually one of the things that stuck with me because I kind of feel like that yeah. is, again, to me, to the heart of the Thundercats in a way, because there is that that wholesomeness. There's always hope in in the dark and how stupid these the mutants are and the, the loon attacks and Mamma for being the way they are and doing what they do. They'll never they're never killed off, but they are diminished because of their sheer inability to work together, because of their jealousy, yeah, their pride, their evil. I guess if that's a better word. So very much touched a nerve, very much touched a nerve for me. And a great episode, like we're saying, all of the above that we mentioned in the review, the world building, the artifacts, the history, and even the pace of this episode, truly, I could definitely see why it's a favorite of Zack and Thundercats fans all over the world, hopefully. And Zack actually has some facts for us because, of course... We don't have them no more. We don't know those facts. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of these. So uh, it's funny. Uh, this is one of the episodes that I wrote a review for years ago. So these facts are all ones that I <laughs> like, I came up with. They're like Ooh, even better personal touch here. And they like, uh, I think I would often like save them to the end of the review because I couldn't figure out a place to put them in that flowed into the story. So the first the first one is that uh, at the beginning when the when the Thunderstrike either was out of control um, we learn that the Thunderstrike pods on the side are capable of like steering the whole vehicle, but that Linkso's central controls can override them, which I thought was a cool little fact. It's like the child locks on a car. Yeah. <laughs> <Surely>. <laughs> Panthro notes that Linkso is a, a, quote, grand old warrior who's fought every form of evil, which I thought was interesting. It's like, it suggests that, first of all, it suggests that maybe Thundera wasn't always a peaceful place if there are yes. like an older generation of warriors. And it also suggests that maybe Linkso was even like a known figure, which I like giving Linkso that little bit of like history and gravitas. You know, it's funny really quickly, the bunglers, we're eventually getting to it, but the 2011 show does have that cameo of Linkso in a split second on Thundera. And they do actually have him almost as a general or somebody like commanding. Yeah, isn't he like 
in like a lookout tower. Yes, yeah, with eyes. So he's not blinded yet. Progenitor. So he's, he's not with <laughs> <laughs> progenitor genitals of of that. So um, I do love this idea as well, Zach, that he was a warrior. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool idea. I le- I noticed that, uh, and this will come up in the next episode too, that the warrior maidens do- don't know who the lunatics are. Although Chilla does know who they are, but you know she knows that they're that pack of muscle-bound Broomhildas, but <laughs> they don't know who the lunatics so are. So judgmental. Oh. And this will come up again in the next episode we talk about where uh, Snowman also doesn't know who the lunatics are. It's like the, the Thundercats did a bad job of educating their allies. On they the- should have done a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> they sure. have all these meetings. Why didn't they invite their Ex- friends? Exactly. Televised. Verbal television. This is also one of the few episodes where Lionel doesn't do the catchphrase. There's no Thunder, 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 Thundercats ho. Ooh. Which I think is really appropriate given the eye's role in like this episode. Yeah. In the story. Like the eye is kind of the bad guy in this story. It's I think it's the only episode where the Sword of Omens is sort of an antagonist in a certain sense. Which is really refreshing. I really enjoy that. Truly a different, exactly. A, even a different plot than we normally get. Yeah, for sure. I also like that the sword like chooses to light the book on fire. It's like, it's like apologizing for its, it's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did that. Here, let me burn the book. <laughs> I'm going to make up for it by burning I'll this. make up for it. Yeah. All that history, gone. Earth's history, never know. We'll never find out again. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thundercats! Thunder excitement is flying at you this fall when the Thundercats tear into action. Let's cut those mutants down to size. Get ready to strike a blow for justice this fall with the mighty Thundercats. Bunglers, we are now doing The Mad Bubbler, episode 79 of season two, of course, with the original air date of September 25th of 1987. We are getting closer to the 90s. What's happening? I thought Thundercats was an 80s show. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like Paul Abdul, you know, she, 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 what do you call it? Crossed she over. Teetered, she, she teetered between the 80s and the 90s. So she's considered a 90s and an 80s performer. Singer. That's true. She's on, she is on both, actually. So the Lunatacks look for Thundrillium in a cave on Hook Mountain, only to be driven mad by a strange creature who turns them against each other. To mention the Mad Bubbler to begin with, it is, of course, in the fan community known as a prototype from LJN, of course, that we never received. Zach, do you ha- know anything about, do you think it was just because it was towards the end of the the toys and they just kind of were just giving up? Because the Mad Bubbler is something that's appeared in the catalogs and, you know, different advertisements, but he never came to the stores. Yeah, they, um... 
I, I I have read about this, and I'm, I think maybe maybe in here the roar actually. This this is one of those episodes where the character is like was designed and driven and created in in partnership with LJN, and the episode exists because they wanted to make this toy. And you're right, they did have prototypes. It did appear in the catalog, but my my recollection is they never actually got it working. Oh. They wanted to have it where you like you push down on the head and it blows bubbles. That's a great idea for a toy, but they never. Pretty sure they just never got it working, and so they never. They never released it. Like there are prototypes out there, but they're not functional. They're just like models, just like sculptures. You're right, Zach, because it looks like it almost was on some kind of like a plasticky looking like accordion looking device that looks like it might have pushed down and been able to somehow push a bubble out. But yeah, sort of like Cobra Khan spraying water out of his mouth. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Always has to go back to He-Man, of course. Yep. I wonder if that's where they got the idea. I love a gimmick like this. So I wish we would have gotten the toy. It's a whole, it's a holy grail now item of of many collectors, and there are those prototypes that seem to appear in the some collectors' collection. So I don't know how they get these things, but it's amazing. Yeah, occasionally you see one pop up, or, or but credit where credit is due. You know, sure, the the design and the name and the concept came from a toy idea but kimberly morris who wrote the episode i think deserves a lot of credit for turning the mad bubbler into a into an entertaining character i think half the credit goes to her the other half should go to bob mcfadden who voiced the the character of the mad bubbler i'm sure we'll talk about his voice definitely definitely i guess to quote quote filmation and he-man while they were putting these toys into the cartoon to get them you know face value for kids to see them to buy them it's the love like zach saying the writers that actually take characters like this is a toy but guess what it's also going to be a story about this this and this and it's not just going to be you know a silly gimmick it works like the bubble things the bubble things you know it works anyway (laughs) david is david's not so sure you're like no 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 No, really honestly i loved the episode and i didn't mind it i just i felt like when i think of bubbles i think of like my little children playing in the back and maybe that's what it's supposed to be there's nothing scary or insidious about about bubbles so them being in a bubble like it kind of like didn't lend to me didn't lend myself it's like if a unicorn came up and tapped you with their horn and then you became evil like to me it wasn't like there was nothing like the character itself is cool because it it was giving me like alice in one Wonderland sort of the hookup thing going on. So I liked it that way. But as far as the bubbles being like, oh, bubbles are going to encase me and make me lose my mind. Yeah, sorry, not for me. But it wasn't just that. They couldn't breathe in those bubbles, right? They were like, I Because they wanted them to breathe the maddening vapors, please. It's like, he was hotboxing them. The whole, the whole episode is a cautionary tale against inhaling. <laughs> I smoked, but I didn't inhale. <laughs> Is the Mad Bubbler the equivalent to, what's that movie back in the day with the marijuana? It ain't the Human Centipede. No, no, my God. No, I'm thinking of- Reefer Madness? Reefer Madness. Thank you, Zach. Reefer Madness. (laughs) Or Hugh. Chilla's going to jump out a window after she inhales the bubbles. She's going to just throw herself out. Innocent of a new and deadly menace lurking behind closed doors. Marijuana. The burning weed with its roots in hell. In this film, you will see the ease with which this vicious plant can be grown in your neighbor's yard, rolled into harmless-looking cigarettes, hidden in an innocent shoe or watch case. Smoking the soul-destroying reefer, they find a moment's pleasure, but at a terrible price. Debauchery, violence, murder, 
hailing. It was an ABC after school special about drugs. Don't do it. I never thought of that that way. Hell, you just gave us a whole new dimension. So with this episode, we get to see talk about parts of various locations we never gotten to speak about before. But evidently on Hook Mountain, there is a mine, y'all, that actually says, (laughs) keep out. Danger. Do not enter with wooden plaques much like you would see in a mine for gold back in the gold rush days no chitara in now do you think that the that snow knight snow king (laughs) snowman snow meow paints that danger sign every so often because i can't imagine it being there since the beginning of time from first earth (laughs) it's written in english again it's english is the is the words of third earthians i guess but you know snowman warned you know is saying don't go in there but Snow Meow can't read. Maybe. <laughs> my, it's funny. My my grandma was a librarian and she used to tell this joke. She said, why can't, why can't dogs read? Why? I don't know. Why can't dogs read? Because they're not allowed in libraries. Aww. <laughs> that's so cute. I love it. That's adorable. And that's true. That so, is true. So Snow Meow needs to spend some time in the library so he can learn to read warning signs. He's like, Snow Meow, don't you realize you cannot enter this this do not enter sign that's written on <laughs> Maybe this- Lion-O can do sight beyond sight and read him a story. <laughs> Send him the signal. The Lunatacks are on the hunt for Thundranium, and they realize that Hook Mountain has this supply in this mine, somehow, that they, they learn about this this mine. Yeah, they have this old map. Aloro again, right? With yeah. these maps? What? <laughs> okay. According to this geological survey map, there's a Thundrillium mine on Hook Mountain. Premium Thundrillium. Some local superstition keeps these third earthers from entering the mine, so it's all ours. The Thundercats cannot survive without Thundrillium. If we controlled the supply, that would make us the undisputed kingpins of third earth. What are we waiting for, Luna? Let's go get it! Alora! The map says... (laughs) I'm tired now. (laughs) I heard that the good shit is in the... (laughs) Minds, because he's already smoking something. Oh, right. He's he smells like a stoner to begin with. He's like, oh my god, I didn't even heard chiller. <laughs> right. That the real good reefers in the mines. You can't resist. Smoke it. Wow. That's where Silky gets her stuff. <gasps> it's all coming together. Third Earth's drug. Actually, I was going to say, Luna says they're going to be Third Earth's kingpins. Maybe. Oh my god, I love that I wrote that down. I wrote Me that too. she says, no, she says she will be the undisputed ki- kingpin. So does that Third mean... Earth- <laughs> she wants to be like the mogul of mining. She wants to like control the supply of Thundrillium. Why? So the Thundercats will pay her? That's what I took. They're it, gonna pay. It's very strange. And are they actually going to give it to, to the Thunder? They wouldn't give it to them, even if they had money. So yeah, it makes no sense. I love it. But with your thoughts, David, they could set up a, a whole drug kind of ring over here too. The kingpins of drugs and Thundranium. Thundrillium. Okay, I'm going to jump around for a second, but doesn't... There's a part where snarf and snarfer get involved and don't they say it it smells that's yeah, like skunky says, with, with the term skunky weed comes from <laughs> i 
clean my room until I got high. <laughs> I was gonna get up and find the broom, but then I got high. Uh, my room is still messed up, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, cause I got high. Because I got high. You like I can't believe Just this saying. whole thing. Because ever since they, because honestly, ever since they legalized marijuana in a lot of states, all you sometimes you drive by and all you do is smell some. So, so the mad bubbler is just just a bong on legs. <laughs> a bong on legs. <laughs> I'm gonna say he's bong enhanced. This is what the toy was missing. It should have been a bong, evidently. <laughs> that's why they, they. That's why they cut it. They were like, dude, people are gonna think they could smoke out of this thing. <laughs> Little Billy keeps hit, hitting that head on that mid bubbler down oh, over and over again. Oh my god. Oh my god. But now I'm sleeping on the sidewalk and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, because hey, I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. La 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 da da da. I'm going to stop singing this song because I'm Let's cut to the innocent part of this. Yes, the lunatics are going to try to go to the mines. They're going to be the kingpin. There's there's a map. But at the cat's lair, Lionel says that he's going to bring some seedlings to the burbles and he might be gone for a while. So don't look for him <laughs> and don't bother He's him. meeting his friend. Yes, his camping friend. His exactly. Friend. They've been They've been gardening together. Mm-hmm. And Snarf says, that's okay. Really outside of Snarf's kind of like personality. Usually I think he'd be like, what time are you coming back, Lionel? Will you be there? Can you call me? Can you make sure you're there? Call are me you wearing something warm? Yes. Are you wearing something warm? Are you wearing something warm? Something warm? But he says he has to, he has his own mission. And there's something about Snarf saying he's not heroic, which... Snarf, why are you putting yourself down? You know you just saved the Thundercats a few a few days ago, Countless a few times. Again. So you are heroic when you need to be Snarf. I'm off to the Burble Village to deliver these seedlings. I may not be back until late this evening. Oh, take your time, Lionel. I'm spending the day at the Tower of Omens, showing that nephew of mine how to hook up the tracking beam. Need any help? No, I don't, thank you. I may not be the super heroic type. But I'm perfectly capable of installing a tracking unit. <laughs> Snarf, anybody that can put up with all of us is pretty super heroic in my book. There's something kind of heartwarming about the Thundercats helping the Burples grow more food. Like, they're doing some, like, you know, genetic engineering on the, on the candy fruit. Say, are they genetically engineering the seeds? Like, in... <laughs> Tigra's lab or something? Bigger, like better, sweeter candy fruit. It's marijuana. They're growing marijuana. Oh <laughs> I never realized this. Oh my god, this whole episode. Tigra, Tigra's lab. This is an anti-drug thing. Yes, Lionel's going to the going to the Burble Village, and then Snarf is going to the Tower of Omens, and him and Snarfer are going to set up some kind of system there. Snarf is still on that poor Snarfer. I'm going to show that nephew of mine. Oh, like yeah, he's like he's, he's going to whip into shape again. I think that just makes Snarf feel important for some reason. Him having this power over Snarfer like that. As time goes on, too, we learn that Snarfer is actually more capable at stuff like this. Like he went to Snarf College, he knows how to like he he understands technology in a way that Snarf doesn't. But Snarf still feels like he has to be the the uncle, like who like you know knows better, which is adorable. Yeah, Panthro asks if 
he wants any help doing this. And Snarf says, no, I'm very capable of this, Panthro, or something like that. He's not, he's not too happy. He wants to do it himself. I wrote, why are we still with the storyline of Snarf not being heroic and the underdog again? And yeah, I don't get that. I, I really... And he has I a complex. Yeah. I mean, it works for this episode because of the outline. But it's always Panther that's telling him, oh, you sure, Snarf? You're getting old, Snarf. You can't <laughs> climb a ladder, Snarf. You're stupid, Snarf. You're just a Snarf, Snarf. You're like Willa. Getting fat, Snarf. He, he's trying to keep, he's trying to keep Snarf down. Honestly. He's his Ike, and that's Tina. Oh my god, no, I look at it more like <laughs> Panthro just, he worries about him. I think he worries about him, right? He sees that he's older, and he wants to take care of him. I think he he has he enjoys needling him a little bit. Okay, it's, yes. it's a teasing it's relationship, it. especially when you know they switched bodies. So like they they have a bond that's like different. I think from the Panther, I've experienced your body and you've experienced mine. Hey, that sounds a little perverse, Ryan. That's a, well, that's a that's a bond that could never be broken. Let's just say. So cut to Hook Mountain, right? We have Snowman, we have Snow Meow, and then we have Chilla and Luna, who's able to now shoot flames from her fingers who are you what do you want here the answers to your questions are a lunatics and b thundrillium from that mine i forbid you to enter it's too dangerous forbid me stand back luna i'll take care of this primitive Okay, wait, wait, wait. You got to go back. First of all, I feel like Chilla should set up shop here since she is ice and snow. Like, this would be her. This would be. I'd be like, I'm taking over Hook Mountain. This is my place. She's so throwing out Queen Tatar. To t- whatever Tatar. Queen Tatar. In, in her Russian. Is she eating, is she eating some... steak? She's eating uncooked Tatara, steak. Tatar or whatever. <laughs> She lives around there, doesn't she? Or am I just... No, she lives in a different mountain range. Oh, <laughs> I, they're going. They're going. And one of my favorite lines is holding. I have to so they the, the lunatics are going into the mine and Snowman, Snow Knight, Snow King, Joe Knight, whatever his name is <laughs> at the time, Snowman is trying to tell them, you can't go. It's unsafe. And, yeah. and they're like, no, this is just a folklore. This is what, what you, you local idiots always are, just yes. afraid to go in a mine. And he goes, I am concerned about your safety, even though you are not. <laughs> Yes, he does say that. I think if this episode, like the the lesson of this episode that we'll get to later is about like everyone's capacity to act in a good or evil way, that we're all capable of good or evil deeds. And I think this scene is like, I love this scene because- I love it too. These are two characters. Well, I guess Luna, Luna is also there, but it's really Chilla and Snowman who have never met each other before. Yeah. They don't, they don't know if they're like al- who they're allied with. Snowman is just trying to protect them. And that's his instinct. That's his, that's, that's what he wants to do. And Chilla's instinct is to burn him alive, basically. <laughs> <laughs> they could not be more different. Um, like, Literally. fundamentally, that's who, that's who they are. And we know that about, about Snowman, that he, he will go out of his way to help. You know, he stays, you know, that's jumping ahead, but, you know, he, he tries to fight the fire. Yes. To save the forest. And Chilla's instinct is just to destroy. So to Ryan's point... How does she go from using frozen fr- freezing powers to shooting fireball powers? 
Like, the ice is so cold, it's fiery. She, like, um, when we first see her powers in Mumra Lives, she she freezes Vulture Man's throat, but then she also thaws it. Like, she zaps it with her finger and thaws it. So they, I think they've kind of established that she can also do heat, but it is a little weird. So she can reverse. She's a reversal. She's got... Yeah, so she, here's the funny she's, thing. She's too. really strong. She's really... She she's yeah she's forced heat she was they used to call forced heat she's 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 got a cooling system and a heat pump she's full HVAC yeah she's full HVAC. HVAC you don't have that Ryan doesn't have HVAC right HVAC uh, system do you have... no I also put that both of them possess ice powers yes, Snowman he's... being that his his lance Shoots, has yeah. ice ability so kind of interesting that they're not particularly evenly matched because his limitations no, to his lance but he also is able them. to use his lance to do different things. Mm-hmm. But they both have ice powers. He puts that, you know, hunger the harpy, quote unquote, uh, circle of stalactite. Yes, stalagmite. circle of stalactite. Thank you, Zach. He read, he read my mind like around them to try to hold them off for a second, and it doesn't go too well because they do get in the mine. And Snowman, like Zach said, he's trying to save the forest. He's trying to keep everything f- frozen, and he's like, Snowmeow. Gets the Thundercats. What, what Surprised he didn't say Thundercats. Ho. Yeah, like <laughs> there's another part that I really like, which we I think we already passed. But like when he's like, "Who are you?" I don't like. I don't know who you are. And she's and, and the king. She's like, man. "A, I'm a lunatic. B, I'm going into that mine, <laughs> Luna." <laughs> She's like a matter of fact. A matter of fact. Like Very she is a total. She is HBIC. She's like A this and B that and C yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> so when they built the Tower of Omens, when the Burbles, they had that meeting at the Burble Village, and they're literally putting the tower to be in the line of when the lunatics are going to come from Dark Side. They should have alerted the rest of Third Earth that there's something else going on. Or the Burbles could have at least gone to the village of the Warrior Maidens, told the unicorn Sent a candy fruit basket with a little message. Anything, exact, any. I think this should have spread through Third Earth for sure. Yeah, they needed to like make like a Facebook, like a, a cheat sheet, like <laughs> yeah. a rap sheet of everybody's faces so you recognize them if they show up on your doorstep. Let me tell you about the local drug dealer, Aloro, evidently. <laughs> he's in your town, and he's taking your kids. He's climbing in your window, snatching your people exactly. up. Exactly. Hide your warrior <laughs> maidens. Hide your burbles. They get into the mine, and is this when he says, I hope you like bubbles? Do we come right into the... <laughs> The Mad Bubbler, because I wrote then we also see skeletons of past miners, but I wrote they look like dinosaur skeletons. They mentioned it was past people that might have been trying to go inside this mine, but I'm like, they were dinosaurs, Chilla. Or that dragon that was in, underneath Hook Mountain that was in the basement, yeah. something like that. <laughs> but I do like that we see creatures that have passed, that are, are decaying, that have died in these mines. So it adds to the whole thing. Yeah, the Mad Bubbler really likes to talk. He likes to explain he likes to joke he talks a lot <laughs> well he's been alone for so long it's like true. he's and got mumra like, complex and this is a this is like his best day he's like having the best day of his life yeah people keep people keep showing up in his mind and he gets to tell them his whole spiel i hope you like bubbles <laughs> <laughs> you're out of luck if you don't because that's all i got here does he also make animals out of balloons out into animals too <laughs> I hope you like bubbles. It's so true. It, for a villain, it's so funny to think that, yeah, I hope you like my bubbles, but... <laughs> it would have been cool if he had a bubble wand and he went... 
spoon blew the bubbles onto that. I would have loved that actually more. It's like those catnip bubbles that they sell for cats where you can like, you know, blow the catnip bubbles at the cat. That's exactly what it is. And it's hard as steel. Hard as steel, but soft like, what did it, it was- I think you're, you're jumping ahead. That was what the Thundercats said. This yes, is we're yes, talking about Chella right. and Luna and a light as air, tough as steel is what Tiger calls those bubbles. <laughs> oh, the bubbles, lighter than air, but yeah, stronger than steel. Yeah, light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a yeah, feather, stiff as a board. So these bubbles make anyone inside of them angry to be killed and <laughs> kill or like, be killed. I can't breathe in here. Yeah, I know. He's and like, breathe in, my pasty friends. Breathe the Ricola. Breathe the vapors. I can't. Get, oh, I never thought of this whole connection of the bubble drums. But yeah, breathe in his bubbles. Look, Luna. Pure Thundrillium. <laughs> Lucky for us, these third earthers are too cowardly to mine it. <laughs> Lucky for me. He says, "Bring, breathe in the maddening or the maddening vapors." Mind madness. Yeah, mind madness. Taking my mind madness. And to mention what Zach mentioned earlier, the voice is very—I would call it what, like it's bubbly, but it's like slide underwater. It's, slide it's jovial. Yes. It's jovial. It's upbeat, jovial. But yet exactly. Destroy slide, or be though. destroyed, Ryan and Zach. Destroy or be destroyed. A happy oh, I start glowing red. Which I love. I actually love this whole part. I don't know how it correlates to the bubbles and the whole process, but I do love that outline that that you just go mad. Yeah, it's like resentments or any evil in your heart like takes takes over he and he explains it all he lays it out he's like he gives you the syllabus he's not even like he's not holding he's like and this is gonna happen stage one you're gonna go through the grieving process stage two (laughs) you will breathe in my bubbles you will breathe in the bubbles stage one two (laughs) you will go mad three you will start to kill the people around you i forget do they do they start fighting each other right away Luna and Chilla? Yes, they, they start right away. Chilla freezes a monk's hand because he grabs her neck and she's like, how about a little cold? He's like, hand hurt! Uh, or something. Or <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad for him. And we'll see in a future episode. I feel like he gets the most abuse. But yeah, so Snow Meow 
when he leaves, he doesn't go the way I thought he would go. No, not at all. <laughs> he goes down into these like these into the chasms. bottomless chasm. Yeah. Okay. He must know some kind he's of flexing. route. He's flexing. He's showing off. He's flexing. Snow Meow is actually a character that I is so endearing because he's such a, a jovial, usually, like, cat. He gets so excited to see them and things like that. So, great wing person. We also do cut back to Snarf in the Tower of Omens working on the machines, right? And then Chitara's like, how's things going over there? Oh, right. And Snarf is like, A-okay, everything's, or, everything's hunky fine. Hunky-dory. Hunky-dory, is that when he says it, David? Hunky-dory, Snarfer? Snarfer says hunky-dory, yes, 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 sirree, Bob. <laughs> Who is hunky-dory? And that's okay. Chitara's like, okay, that's great. That's right. they cut. I do love the cutback, how they, they cut them talking from the, the tower to... The cat's lair it's a little moment but again it's like a different thing that they're experimenting with i feel like snow meow comes to cat's lair and this i love this our girl our girl shines once more she's getting a telepathic message from snow meow she doesn't even have to spin around no, she's, no she doesn't have to use a gynamastio or whatever <laughs> she's got a college visit all she had to do was stare into his eyes mm. And she's doing the zoom up of that. I actually think this is fantastic. Seeing through Snow Meow's eye and then that pan into that, I think it's fantastic. Come in, Tower of Omens, come in. Your status report, please. Tower of Omens here. Status is hunky dory. Ooh, laces. Uncle Snarf is showing me how to hook up the tracking beam. Making any progress? Ooh, you betcha. Yes, sirree, Bob. No problems. Well, uh, maybe a minor snag. Minor snag? Snarf. I'd hate to see what he calls a major snag. Good enough, Tower of Omens. Chitara out. Look who I ran into outside. He's been trying to tell me something, but I can't figure out what it is. I'm getting a strong telepathic impulse from Snow Meow. Hook Mountain, fire. Snowman in trouble. We've got to move fast, Thundercats, to the V-Liner. Thundercats are loose. And it's, it's almost like the way you'd think an animal would speak if an animal were to speak. It's like just quick thoughts. Uh, Hook Mountain, fire, snowman in trouble. <laughs> just quick, quick flashes. <laughs> bubbles, bubbles. <laughs> and she talks like, bubbles, okay, bubbles, all right. So they go into the feliner. It's Shitara, Tigra, Snow Meow, and Panthro. They're and going apparently the feliner is now a giant fire truck. Okay, yes, it spins around. It spins around. I mean, I'm impressed. How much water could that actually hold? Now, come on. But is it water or is it like some yeah, kind it's of water. special? Oh, I thought it was some kind of special flame retardant. Oh, he wants those. He wants the foam, you know, the foam. Yeah, like a foam. Out. Yes, I thought it was like a foam coming out. <laughs> That's somewhere. bad for the trees, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, you're right, actually. I just love the notion that, that they're, they've, they've appointed themselves the firefighters of Third Earth. They just They always keep the feline full of water ready to go. I hope it's not wastewater. Oh my god. <laughs> they use a litter box. They, they don't have wastewater. 
where they throw kitty the kitty litter on the snow for traction. Land. <laughs> That's only to pick up oil, right? You throw kitty oh, litter down. Wow. I wrote that Snowman has to stop, drop, and roll at one point because <laughs> yeah. he is taken over by the flames and he has to roll out of this scene. That was horrible. There's a really cool like special effects moment where the fire like the heat of the fire is like making the making the image all like wavy and you feel engage like you're neutron converter. Yeah. That's what I got to say. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Engage the neutron dance. You're right, actually. So I wrote that this whole section having Lionel removed gives the other Thundercats time to shine again. Oh, that's true. I, I always think I, I really enjoy this sequence. So yeah, Snowman escapes the forest, they put out the fire, and then he winds up he winds up in the in the river in like an ice flow. I really like the sequence. It's like it's action packed, it's the music is great. The animation is really strong. It always struck me as a little weird, though, like how it's it's almost like this this whole episode is it's called the Mad Bubbler. We have these these big moments in the mine, but really the most dramatic thing that happens is this thing with with Snowman and the river and the forest section or the or the burning too is so dramatic. Well, I think the the Mad Bubbler is like the sorceress of Grayskull. He cannot leave the cave, so he cannot turn into he cannot turn into a bird, a falcon, and he cannot go out. He can't turn into a bubble and go out. So he's you know stuck in the cave. <laughs> so sad, sad, really. It's like being in pandemic again. It's like twenty twenty all over again, stuck in a cave. There's toilet paper though this time, at least. <laughs> They have to go to Mumra's Pyramid for to get extra wrappings. So after this whole s- is taken care of, do we find a resolution for Snowman? Like, do we see him at? Th- I forgot if we see him at the end again. Like, so Panther goes and jumps in to get him. He the, the line breaks. They're going over the side. Yeah, they well, freeze that. the water, and then they 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 get out because they don't land. Well, yeah, Tiger's like that log cut the the line. I'm like, my God, that was that a one- very flimsy rope, by the way, for such a sophisticated device. I mean, it looked like he just grabbed it out of a. You know, just, shed. I don't know, some random piece yeah. of, like, that from the shed. He's like, oh, I just brought this rope. Well, whatever. Hopefully it holds. It's a They're ready for yarn. anything. They must have, like, a toolbox of of, of everything. It have been a steel cable or something. Come on now, people. But then we wouldn't have gotten that dramatic log <laughs> ripping a hole in the in the rope Listen, somehow. they say Rome wasn't built to the day, but if I was there, it would they would have had time to take a break. Just saying. I would have had it done. I would have had it done. I would have had a steel rope as opposed to that flimsy piece of rope that, that Panther did a dive in. But again, these are scenes that we don't normally see. This would have been Lionel if he wasn't at the Burble Village. Lionel would have been diving. Lionel would have been doing this. The fact that we get Panthro and Chitara and Tigra actually doing it is just a thr- that's got to be cold. That water has been freezing. Yeah, Snowman Snowman says that it was, well, when they're out at the very beginning, he's like, it's 20 below. <laughs> it's very cold. But yeah, the water, it had been frozen on top. and Panthro, your shrinkage, my God. <laughs> Throw genitals, even. Once they've rescued Snowman, Snowman explains to them what's happening, that the lunatics are in the mine. I guess they need, we need to save them? Go in, Thundercats. You got to go in, I guess. So no, they no, no. I'm, they were not being heroic. The 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 term the 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 phrase that was said or the t- whatever the conversation that was said was there is an unlimited supply of pure thundrillium in there. We can't let them have it. So it was not. They were not being heroic. They were pr- that was self preservation, baby. You're right. Personal interest. Wow. Mm-hmm. Pretty slick, Thundercats. Ugh. Thank you, Thundercats. But there's more trouble up here. Some creatures that call themselves lunatics 
have gone into the Thundrillium mine. That mine is full of premium Thundrillium. We can't let the Lunatacs get their hands on that. We'll stop them, Snowman. Bet on it. But you can't go in there. Others have gone in, but no one has ever come out. With all due respect, Snowman, they weren't Thundercats. I don't like this, Snowman. I don't like it at all. And then he told Snowman, well, you're, you, you've you got one thing. that There weren't Thundercats that went into that cave. Again, oh, you're his right. hubris, Panthro's hubris now, finally. Thinking he could just do it because he's a Thundercat. He says, he says, no one, no one's ever come out of the mine. It's too dangerous. You shouldn't go in there. And Panther says, well, with all due respect, those, those people weren't Thundercats. Wow. So yeah, definitely some pride on Panzer's part. But guess what? They're cat all susceptible vanity. to drugs. Yeah, Cat Vanity and Bubble Drug. So that's We need to come up with our own Cat Vanity song now. <laughs> cat vanity well wait no wait we, we we skipped something we skipped the lunatics fighting you're right you're right yes okay so they're being controlled yeah chilla. so cut back back to the mine uh and chilla and luna are still fighting and chilla has like it it's like they're playing hide and seek but with grenades so chilla has she like amassed this little, <laughs> this little like pile of grenades and she's ready and then a muck swings in like tarzan on, yes. a, on a rope and there's this explosion of grenades i think doesn't luna yell surprise yes, yes. <laughs> yes. and and then while all this is happening the thundercats walk into the mine and panthro is like david attenborough he's he he sees the lunatics fighting he says typical lunatic behavior yeah. mm. Mm. just wait panthro just wait there's a lot of cat fights been going on lately and then so, the lunatics just like fall through a hole and they're they're gone. They go, yes, they just fall right. They fall into a uh yeah. Like a mine shaft. And then they're gone. They're gone. It's like the play it's like Mumra lives where the mutants ran into the the, into the Fire Rock the, Mountain. And then that was it. Bye. They they somehow they get out. Anyway. These mines are very dense because there's levels going on here. The fact that there's so many like scaffolding, uh, it it's was, like a video sca- game. Yeah, scaffolding. Yes. It was giving me, it was giving me like Indiana Jones, realness, the mummy <laughs> kind of like vibe. Like I was like, I was on a separate adventure just looking at those mines. Like I wanted to explore. I would have actually, yes, would, would have liked to have seen more in these mines had they cleared out. I'm assuming the Mad Bubblers. And as they're fighting, they're all fighting. They're destroying all of the the work. And I'm like, please, well, you're destroying all the bridges and everything. Don't do it. <laughs> Panther Tigra and Chitara come across the bubbler who's bubbling. His tea kettle is at the point, he's bubbling over, and he releases now. Breathe in, breathe in, breathe in, breathe in. Take it all. Steel! 
He gives his whole spiel again. He has he gets to explain it again. He's he's having the best day. You know, yeah, that's true. I get to tell my story twice. Breathe anymore. those vapors. Yeah, as you're breathing in the vapors. <laughs> it makes the story take even better. Vapors. Take take mine madness. They go into the bubbles, and this is when Tiger says they're light as air, but tough as steel. They can't breathe again. So you all you're forced to breathe in whatever is in those bubbles, <laughs> which makes you destroy or be destroyed. Glowing red eyes, cue that on our Thundercats. They, they've been taken over now. So, I want to say that we finally get to see Lionel around this point at the Burble Village with Burble Bill. Looks like he was actually heading out, possibly. To meet a friend. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is when he was- special friend. Because he said he was going to be gone a while, and it's still day now, so it looks like he just dropped this and went. I met him in a tree. He's about to go out, right? And Robert Bill is there. He probably is, like, walking him out of the gates, like, oh, Lionel, thank you so much. And then he gets the alert, sight beyond sight. He's shocked, and Robert Bill says, there's this legend where, you know, it will turn people, whatever is inside of you, if you have any kind of animosity, evil, or some kind of feelings, it will magnify that. He's like, oh, hell no, Burble Bill. He's like offended. He's offended at the notion that, you know, Thundercats could could be evil. And then and that's when Jaga shows up and says, no, it's, it's true. And Lionel's like, but how... How could I be Lord of the Thundercats if I were capable of evil? I mean, never mind. We've had an evil Thundercat established already. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we know Thundercats true. can turn. But, but this yeah. is again one of the reasons why I love th- this cartoon, this series. It's part. It's a learning lesson. It basically this is your grandfather, your mentor, your scout leader, whoever, telling you you have the capacity for good and you have the capacity of evil. It's it's a choice that you have to make, a choice to do these things. And so this is where again those life lessons that I love about this show and many of the shows in that genre tell you he's basically telling you, yeah you have this awesome power you could you but you can wield this for evil or you can wield it for good this is a choice that you conscious choice you make thank you for being the seedlings Lionel. my pleasure rubber bill uh oh trouble sword of omens give me sight beyond sight the hook mountain thundrillium mine I don't know what's going on up there but I'm going to put a stop to it there's a legend about that old mine, Lionel. It is said that whoever enters there will be destroyed by the evil in his own heart. Those are Thundercats you're talking about, Rubber Bill. Do you think that they or any of us are capable of evil? The legend is true, Lionel. Jaga! Rubber Bill spoke the truth. But I am Lord of the Thundercats. How could I be worthy of such a position if there were any evil in my heart? In all of us, Lionel, there is the capacity for good and evil. It is a choice. But if you enter that mine, you will lose the ability to choose and will be compelled to do evil. In all the universe, there is only one species completely devoid of all evil capabilities. That is the Snarf. Send for Snarf and Snarfer, Lionel. Roberville, I've got to get to Hook Mountain quickly.
But Jaga loves to point out anything that Lionel gets wrong. To me, he gets too much of a kick out of it. With his pointing finger. He's, he already came with the pointing finger. Robab Bill is right. How dare you not? How dare you not listen to him? But the thing is, yes, Jaga does, and he kind of annoys me a little bit like that when he got butt I mean, I love that, him. That, but... that Lionel didn't want to go into the Black Pyramid with him or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he is trying to point out the fact that also in his absence, there are other yes. creatures, people, beings, mentors that can teach him something from their knowledge and their experiences to, again... He knows so the I, world. I like it. It is a life lesson. It's teaching you to respect your elders and to try to gain some, you can possibly gain knowledge and a new perspective from people, different people and these other people. Because it shows again that the warrior maidens know about this, but the burbles know this part of the legend. And yeah, trust. And walls don't lie. Oh my God. Remember oh. that. Oh my God. <laughs> that was something else. I think they do. You know where that stems from? I thought of it. That's when back in the day when, he saw the panthro that was the panthro clone that was attacking the village. And ever since then, he's like, I he never got over lie. It. I told you I don't lie. It was panthro. There is a part then. Jaga's still there, right? And he says, get the snarf and snarf. Get the snarfs. He says there's only one creatures or that are in- incapable of evil. But he didn't mention that they're, in- they're not incapable of being judgmental as hell. They don't have the capacity <laughs> for evil. Because <laughs> they are. Right? I mean, like, they might not be evil, but they will judge you. They have the capacity to throw shade, but they are not evil. <laughs> the library is always open, but not evil. Like, there is something kind of that rings true about Snarf's being sort of incorruptible, right? They're like loyal. Snarf kind of always has a sixth sense for when things are fishy. Yeah. But he's, but that, I think that sometimes that manifests as being judgmental or like skeptical. <clears throat> and, and like we've seen him lie, right? We've seen him be a little, you know, dishonest. Later on in the series, we see him actually do some like kind of not so nice things. But as, as sort of black and white as it is and kind of like a, a, a cheat like a deus ex machina that oh snarfs can't do evil so that that they're the you know there's still something kind of that feels right about it they're like dogs dogs have the capacity like uh, they say a dog can be jealous there's certain emotions they can be at love they can be jealousy but they're not dogs are not inherently evil like they cannot be they're not evil but they do have like my dogs are jealous of each other i'm too much attention on one dog the other dog will will nudge the dog so there is that but they're, they're they're not capable of evil I mean, and Snarfer is just the most cute, innocent thing. So I believe Snarfer for sure. Is yeah, Snarf is, Snarf is just a curmudgeon. <laughs> so mm-hmm. bitter. Snarf is so bitter over life. He, they threw so many wrenches into that poor Snarf's life. Ugh, it's great. It's, it, it's good. Jaga actually told him for once, Snarf, Snarfer. No mystery. No this, no that. Get the Snarfs. Yeah, the, <laughs> gather those Snarfs. And Just by the way, him. Snarf is making a mess in the Tower of Omens. Hurry, hurry. <laughs> Do we cut back to the mine to see more of the fighting that's going on between the Thundercats? Chitara, yes. Uh, yes, they're fighting, right? Or is that when Snarf comes in? Once they get there, we see more. That's when it is. Okay, because I'm thinking of them, like, pat- they're patrolling, looking through those those tunnels. There's a there's a moment. So after when Lionel needs to get to Hook Mountain, he turns to Roberbill and says, I need to get to Hook Mountain quickly. And then suddenly he's there. So I guess he, like, took the Burblemobile. That's what or... I was going to ask you. <laughs> what, what, did they drop him off somewhere? Like, drive him there? <laughs> they have a big mushroom on wheels that... <laughs> 
would love that actually. They all join hands and they become a catapult and they <laughs> they, they, come, they, they transform Yeah. I would love that actually. So yeah, because how did he get there? Well, it happens. He gets there. He gets, he gets there, there and then he summons the snarfs and they get there too. This is where I'm like, yes, we've had times when Snarf gets the sees the signal, but usually the snarfs don't come when the, the the Thundercats call happens unless there's an emergency I feel like Snarf will usually tag along or something it's not that they usually get and go oh Snarf we're we need we're needed unless they knew that the kittens and Bengali Pumira and Linkso were maybe out somewhere so they knew they were the only other you know Thundercats per se does Snarf's does Snarf's eyes ever glow yeah doesn't it happen once once it happens I don't know if it's consistent but it does happen he has the sense, so maybe that's what. But normally, him. this wouldn't. It wouldn't have cut away to him summoning them, you know, by themselves. I'm, but maybe know, it's like, intent. Maybe it's intent, right? It knows exactly who to go so for. Mystic- oh. It's mystical. He's sending out an intent with his call. All right, I'll accept that. I mean, the sword does. He sent burn, the text but... message only to the snarfs, but everyone else is on the. He said, the "Snarf and Snarfer, come!" But everyone else is on the chain. The text message. They're on the. They're on it. But it said, "Snarf and Snarfer." That's all. Lion, oh, thank Jaga, you're all right. I'm fine, Snarf, but Chitara, Panthro, and Tigra aren't fine at all. He summons Snarf and Snarfer and tells them to retrieve the Thundercats in the mine so that they can re-return to their normal selves. So they go in. And it's like, it's like something out of Scooby-Doo. It's like, <laughs> the Thundercats are on all these different levels of the mine scaffolding, and they keep popping out on different levels. Yeah. And like, they're <laughs> looking for each other and not finding each other. It's very funny. So it's almost like they're on autopilot zombie-esque. Yes, and there's a point that I want to make. Chitara does find Panthro and attacks him. And Snarf grabs the nunchuck, so they're not lost, by the way. And he he's able to grab Pan- Does he help Pan throw up? But the, we're waiting. The bubbler, the bubbler comes. The bubbler comes. Oh, yeah. We, we skipped the bubbler. You're right. <laughs> and he doesn't do his normal. He's like, oh, God. This this will be... I, I only do two performances per hour per <laughs> he's day. Like, will not he's, like, he's like, throw you in the bubble. Destroy, be destroyed. And they're like, huh? What'd he say? <laughs> it smells in here. That's basically what I got from it. He's like, destroy, be destroyed. I'm going. Bye. Bloop. It smells in here. He, he does his own dream of genie. <laughs> Disappears. And and then and then they're like, it smells in here. What did he say? Oh I don't know. God, I'm not even paying attention. No, they do. Like, I need to eat something. My blood sugar is going down. I need to get this done quickly. Keep a cool head, Snarfer, and everything will be fine. Sure thing, Uncle Snarf. No sweat. <laughs> Welcome, my doom friend. Destroy. Be destroyed. <laughs> What'd he say? Beats me, Uncle. Some character, huh? Me, you. What a stench. Uncle Snarf. Look. They grab each other. They're kind of like when he appears, they do, speaking of Scooby-Doo, they're like Scooby and Shaggy. They're like scared and shivering and holding each other. And then he does the bubbles and then they're like, you're right, David. Like, Oh, there's a smell. What is that? Oh, well, horrible. Oh, well. Hor- 
<laughs> I feel like Snarfer is all of us in that moment. He's like, or they both are. It's like, what did he say? Like, what is he talking about? <laughs> what is he going on about? Just, just, all right, like get rid of him. I tell them to do something, like go to bed, brush your teeth, sit down. Yeah, they didn't hear it. <laughs> but it's so I'm funny here. that it comes to, again, the littlest members are always saving them at the end of, at the, end of the day. But it is hysterical that they're just like, yeah, what is this? I'm going to send, do to I'm gonna send I get it. What? What are you doing to us? I'm sending you both a telepathic message of, I want you to try to read my mind. There's one thing that doesn't sit right with me in this whole thing that could have changed the whole storyline. It's about a Thundercat. Linkso? Chitara. Thundercat. Ab- oh, Tigra. No, Thundercat ability that that was uh, that was not used and overlooked that could have changed everything. I'm sending it. I'm I sending can't it think of. You. Keep going. I'm going to do it at the end. I'm going to do it at the end. Go ahead. Keep going. I'm intrigued now because I, I it's can't... something so simple that you you would completely overlook. But go ahead. What like summoning them again, like he did with Link? So no, 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 like no, the... no, no, no. Well, that's something too. But no. So they're fighting. You see that Snarf and Snarf are, are gathering up their weapons, right, to get them <laughs> so they don't kill each other with the yeah. nunchucks and the, this and the whip. And then they like, we got to get out of here. And they make a run for the cave, the entrance, where Lionel was waiting outside. Outside. So what possibly could have happened that would stop? Chitara could have from caught up to them. Chitara and... should have been running at her top speed the whole time oh. around the whole cliffs, the cave. She could have beat somebody with a stick and been on another level. The next thing, hitting Panthro. If she would have <laughs> ran at her thing, she would have ran past them and blocked them from getting out of the cave. But because she was in that trance, like that's you said, what, that's you think you think she's in a trance. Exactly. That's what my thought is. She was she wasn't using her brain because she was in that controlled state. Because yes, all she yes. had to do was run faster to get to them before they you left know, the I cave. I didn't even think of that. I didn't. And she could have taken out Panthro and Tigra easily by running, doing that Scooby-Doo thing. Yeah, like the ghost <laughs> following the... Yeah, but could it be that... Yeah, true. They can't... They don't know that's how to... Starring Cher or Sandy Duncan or the Glo- Harlem Globetrotters, one of them. You know, <laughs> like the Scooby stuff. movies. Yeah, that's so... <laughs> Chitara. You're right. I didn't even think of that. It leads them out of the cave system. And then Lionel hoes them. He hoes them. He, don't do the, he doesn't do the full hoe. I don't think he needed to because the Lunatacs, when they escape the mine, suddenly yes. the, the mine madness is broken. So And it, they I were like, oh, there's one anyway. consolation to this. The Thundercats are all going to die in there. Let's get out of here. Yes. <laughs> She's like, let's go have a beer. Let's go get a beer, Chilla, at the Wolos village. I think they need to wash their we hit clothes. It probably smells whatever in there. It's in, in their clothing now. <laughs> skunky Whoa, clothing. You smell like skunky weed, Chilla. <laughs> you didn't bring me um, home, Annie. Um, oh. smell. Ah, um, smell. Yeah, so the spell it seems to break once you leave the cave system somehow. I guess it's a short, it's a short distance control. You have to be in the maybe it's the mines, the smell, yeah. the bubbles. He man, I have no power outside yeah. this castle. It's honestly, it's like that. So mm-hmm. I just wrote he summons them from the mind and they return to their normal selves. <laughs> yeah, he, he well, just goes ho oh, and they get like, and and it breaks the spell. And they don't even remember what happened. Chitara's, I think Chitara is like, "Whoa, what happened?" <laughs> and she, again, she's like, where, where, how did I, "Where did this? Where did this gold jewelry come from?" Oh well. Mm. No, she found the the remnants from of the, the mine. mask, like you were saying. She got from the mine. She the got mask from the of Gorgon is still in my hand. What? <laughs> I'm trying to remember the mad bubbler. So he's stuck. Now, in knowing that... what you know, would you have just destroyed? Would you destroyed the cave and then just got the thundrillium? It just becomes another legend then that you will never enter this cave system then. It's like the cave. They could have sent like... Snarf in. They could have sent yes. Snarf in to get them with some tools, welding tool. 
with some pickaxes. <laughs> would he have like belittled them the whole time that he was there? Let me bore you with my story. Hold on, let me tell you about my life. You like my bubbles? At an early age, I knew that I could blow bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> From an it was early only age. then that my parents, <laughs> Bublana and Bublo, told me that I could be the head bubbler, <laughs> the mad bubbler. <laughs> The Mad Bubbler. So we never saw your figure and we never got to see you ever again, Mad Bubbler. But you remain in that cave forever. I mean, he had one good day after how many years? Couldn't they sent in a drone and then like shot something and pulled the, the, the material out? I'm, I'm still on this. They could be the, the undisputed kingpins. Yeah. Of Third Earth. Oh Luna, Luna. Of course we need a cute wrap-up, right? So we go back to the Tower of Omens, where we found out that Snarf has made a mess of this system. There's wires everywhere. And a matter of fact, every Thundercat, besides the kittens, it seems like, is doing a part of this wiring system. And then Panther says something like, you've earned your day's pay? Or lion Tiger, Tiger, says oh, Tiger said that, and I'm like, I didn't know I was on the payroll. setting up these tracking units snuff is keeping the frequencies separated i guess i made kind of a mess out of it huh <laughs> yeah don't worry about it snarf you and snarfer earned your day's pay no doubt about it you both performed bravely and wasn't it you snarf who said this morning that you weren't the superheroic type no it couldn't have been and to think i thought that life on was liable to be dull. Just shows to go, you. Goes to show you. Yep, you never can tell. And, and I think you got those reversed, Uncle Snarf. I know what I'm doing now, nephew. This is an E frequency, and this is an impulse conductor. You put them together, and. No, Snarf! <laughs> I guess maybe I'd better stick to super heroics and leave the electronics to Panthro. It's safer. Thunder, 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 thunder. <laughs> yeah, there's this weird undercurrent of Snarfs being like willing slaves almost. Yes. Like Snarf says, all in a day's work. And then, yeah, Tigra says, you earned your day's pay. But they're not doing, like, what do they, what exactly do Snarfs get in return? I guess shelter? Like, <laughs> you get to Friendship? live in this place. That's it. The love of Lionel. Yeah. <laughs> they get shelter and you do everything else. But they're not, if, they're not, if they're not capable of evil, like, they, they're not, by their nature, they're never going to fight back. They're kind of like the, the villains kind of sometimes joke that they're the Thundercat slaves. It's it's not entirely false. Maybe they just have a love of them. Maybe they just they, they're, they're, they're like ebony and ivory. <laughs> what they, they just, just they go together in perfect harmony. They they just I mean, I guess just, they, they just complement each other. It's like, you know, it's like yin and yang. They, they, they want to be with each other. They're drawn to each other. It must be that Snarfs must have been so ingrained with Thundarian history, maybe. Is it in Mumra Lives? Someone someone says Snarf Thundercats and Snarfs have been allies for eons. Like you're right, it's a very old bond. That's what I'm gonna so say. So the original Snarfs must have 
somehow met with Thundarians and they formed this alliance. And then it, somewhere the along Rottery. the line, yeah, yeah, but somewhere along the line, they kind of became nursemaids. But Snarf loves pets. Lion-O. Snarf, Snarf loves Lion-O. Snarf does. It's not a, it's not, it's like Lion, that's like Lion-O is his child. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he was a nursemaid, right? That was his original title, right? There's yeah, and, love. and Kimberly Morris says in her interview in Hear the Roar, she says that uh, she, she felt like the, the notion of Snarfs being incorruptible sort of came from the idea of them being trustworthy nurse, like caretakers of like, in order for Snarf to be trusted in that role, he must be like as good as like, so good hearted. Like, yeah. yeah. Truly, I understand that he's so good hearted and whatever. He'll give the love to this. Yeah. Lord of the, the future Lord of the Thundercats. Yeah. I honestly, I thought this was another really fun. Yes. The villain is funny. He's his powers are funny bubbles on paper. Yes. But I think everything else that happens around it is just so f- fun. And it still adds to there's let me tell you about the time that my parents took me to the circus and <laughs> left me there. Oh my God. That's when he found the mine. Maybe that's when I discovered my mind abilities. <laughs> Mad bubbler. He could have been something. But again, it adds another location, another mine, another source for Thundranium, Dundrillium. I I think the Mad Bubbler, despite his short, his brief appearance, I think he, I don't know, I have a fond place for him. He bubbled his way into my heart. (laughs) See, I wish they would have, they should have blown up the cave and then he escaped and then he would be on the loose he'd be on the on the loose on the prowl forever and they could have done something with alaro versus him because they both have mind control mm. <laughs> take me in your bubble. bubbler part two i think we could have seen him on something if mumra did his greatest hits of of the season two you know villain storyline if he made more portraits it would have been the mad bubbler like we got spidera we would have gotten probably the mad bubbler well, we, got, we got seek and destroy, <laughs> seek and destroy. We got destroy, destroy or be destroyed. That's yeah, what you seek got. and destroy or be destroyed. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, I also really enjoyed this episode. I really like the Mad Bubbler as a as a villain. I I've always been a little bothered by by the I don't know. It's a, it's a good lesson, right? It's a, kind of a sophisticated lesson that good and evil is not this black and white binary. We're all capable. Like we're all the product of our deeds. But at the same time, then the thing the the final conflict is between thundercats who are overtaken who can't make the choice and are overtaken by evil being saved by snarfs who are incapable of evil like it becomes black and white yes and for some reason that that bugs me a little bit just like i don't know the the theme of the episode i feel like if there'd been a way to connect what happens in the mine to be closer to what goes on between chilla and snowman where it's like fundamental nature is there's something about about the like the black and white like imagine if if the if mind madness just magnified your whatever negative feelings you were having but the the thing that could break it isn't just being let out of the mine or snarfs who are who are incorruptible but like if if the if the good vibes were stronger like if, if your friends could right. break you out of it. saving one or panthro ha- falling off the edge and tichara is like oh no i have to save him right. this is panthro. Right. exactly well maybe but maybe that could have happened but also we we know that in other episodes like when like chitara was like they're gonna make fun of me they're not gonna believe that i know i, I laugh about wizra but there's someone that comes to me they're gonna think i'm crazy the fact that, the, that we all have those insecurities even though they're a team and this and that and how even when they fought the new thundercats so quickly after being 
together. So there is something to say about it. I I understand where you're getting, but if you look at, to me, if you look at the whole episode, uh, the body of the whole episode, Jaga in between kind of bridges between the Chilla and the Snowman and then the Snarf with the, the Thundercats. It's his speech about that duality or being able to do and both or be both or whatever, of us or whatever or having yeah. that in it's kind of for me bridges the gap but that's also very you're very right zach that's very sophisticated for a child to necessarily process we're looking at it with adult eyes with my brow board i can see it your hands, <laughs> your hands. <laughs> with my hands, me, my hands i can see hands. it you saw them it was a good episode. It was a great episode. Those are two nice ones to have back to back. I hope the next one's not sucky because that was a letdown. <laughs> well, they're for me. good too, right? Okay. All right. All right. I haven't gone that far. I'm being good. Bangra! You Bangra! Once again, you have failed. You Bangladesh! <laughs> Delightful! Ooh, so that means. We have to come up with who today's biggest bunglers are. Mm -hmm. I already know the first one. Actually, yeah, I have the first one myself. The second one, I am I'm actually have to think about. But okay, so our first episode, which is of course the Mask of Gorgon. In the Mask of Gorgon, the obvious choice would be Lionel, right, for being so impetuous. But I'm going to go with Panthro. For not oh. being the adult in the room and and like checking that impetuosity, like recognizing Lionel acting out of anger, um, and and seeing that Linkso, you know, listening to Linkso, that combined with dismissing Willa at the pyramid. Oh, I've yes. got to I've got to say Panthro. <laughs> wow, Zach actually changed my mind. I was going for Lionel, but his brilliant point because not only was the yeah the Willa thing, but he's right. Panthro normally probably would have been like. Hold on a minute, Lionel. We have to listen to blah, blah, blah. Right. There's that line, impetu impetuous, yes. Stupid, no. No, like, yeah. He recognizes that in Lionel, but not this time. So actually, yeah, I'm I'm following up Zach. So David? <laughs> so to piggyback on all of it, Lionel definitely bungled. But being that Panther is supposed to be the wiser, still a mentor, Lionel is still a cub in a man's body or whatever you want to say kind of a thing. Him co-signing the madness of doing all this stuff and being misogynistic with Willa, like she doesn't know, she's not supposed to know her own sister or whoever, or like name, or yeah, name, <laughs> yeah, <or> whatever. <laughs> and so I'm gonna say he's the biggest, but Mumrot hanging on the side of a of of the pyramid and not oh, just yeah. grabbing the mask and flying off to someplace safe. Big bungle for me too, because I would have been re reusing the mask again. So Panthro, I'm going with I'm going with Zach Panthro ultimately because that that mistake embodied the whole problem to begin with. Because yes. if they would had a, a different plan, the mask would have never been able to turn them to stone. Probably if they would have waited for Linkso to come up with something, then then he would have just released the giant. They would have done the inner ear infection. Boom, and things would have changed. Anyway, all right. It's so true. And the mumra, I do love that you have to you add in our old mummy himself. Forgetting how to fly. Forgetting to fly. He's gonna learn to fly again. What was it? He's he said? These broken wings and learn to fly again. Oh, mumra. <laughs> now the mad bubbler. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I actually. Mm. 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 I guess Lionel for not thinking that there's evil or this capability in every one of us or that how could I be a Thundercat then like you're saying knowing Groon was a Thundercat turncoat you know so I mean or Panthro again because he had the confidence that 
well, you never come across Thundercats before, and goes right in, and, and then they get bubbled. The reason I'm having trouble with this one is because I'm not sure what scenario to focus on. Like, who bungled what? Like, is it the Thundercats bungling, staying in the mine and destroying each other? If that's true, then it's Chitara for not racing ahead and blocking the way. Mm. If it's preventing a forest fire, then it's Snowman for being stubborn and engaging the Lunatax in the first place. But this was, this is, there's like so many vignettes, so many like different parts of this story that I I don't know where to focus on who the biggest bungler is. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. So this was a, it's a bungling episode. We're the the biggest, I'm the biggest bungler. I can't make a decision. No, you're, I think you're right there. You've made a great point because there's bungling from this side, this bungling from that side. David, do you have it usually? Okay, so I'm going to say there's multiple bunglers. One, the lunatics for not necessarily heeding the warning because if everybody around you, this is, I always have this, I have this expression. Like when you're, let's say you have a coworker that's really nasty or, or somebody and they're like, everyone has a problem with this person. If everyone has a problem with you, you're don't you problem. think you're the problem? Not everybody else. So if everyone's telling you there's something not right about this mine, if everyone is telling you this, maybe be more cautious. I it wouldn't have changed the outcome because they still would have taken over by the bubbler i'm trying not panthro again saying he's going to go in they haven't you know we're so amazing we're thundercats snowman so there is a multitude of bungling i'm going to say the bubbler because he should have waited around to see if snarf and snarfer actually did the task of trying to kill each other because i would have stopped them i would have thrown a rock at them or something to care of them so that <laughs> the other thundercats what he's pretty lazy what a state would have stayed in there. He seemed like he wasn't going to do nothing else but talk and bu- and bubble. So and I bubble. don't think he. Yeah, I don't think he would have done anything actually. What <laughs> he could have put them in a forever bubble. <laughs> could he make a forever? So um, I'm going to say the biggest bungler. Mm, I don't know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Panthro because if they didn't go in to begin with, and he didn't thought he was invincible, pulling this invincible crap, they could have put out the fire, saved Took Mountain, and left the Lunatics to do what they need to do. There's nothing in the or code of the that they had to go in and get that. It's funny, my my because I couldn't remember that moment. I thought they went in the mine. My my instinct was, oh, they went in to rescue the lunatics. Like that feels like the Thundercat like thing to do. Mentality, right? It is to me. But but they went in for their own interests. Yeah. So that is a bungle. Going in for your own interests despite the warnings. How and dare knowing they? How and dare knowing they? that there's something wrong going on. Right. So Panthro. So d- d- Panthro twice. Yeah, this is a this is a rare Panthro bungle not only once but twice wow. you're done bungled you samouflage he's he's yeah just whatever he never bungles truly he's usually he slides through so eh, why not <laughs> have we bubbled our bungles this week with this episode my god i hope you like bubbles yeah <laughs> I hope you like bungles. Bungles and bubbles. Have you bundled your bubble bunglers? Say that three times fast. <laughs> so bunglers, my goodness. These are another two jammed pack episode. I can't wait. I cannot wait to hear what everyone's responses are. I can't wait to hear if The Mask of Gorgon is Juan's favorite episode. If that's what he was alluding to. I feel like it is. I mean, not to speak for you, Juan. Well, but... what else is coming up? What like? Ravage Island is a really good one. The last that's day. That's the only other one I could see maybe <laughs> the being the one. Is the last day in this season? No, that's season three. Oh, well. That's that's a whole other time from now. <laughs> Thank you again for listening every two weeks now? Or every other week? How are we going? That's the I don't same even thing. Know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
And the biggest bungler is still Radical Ryan Of Hunter. course. Would you want anything else on this show? Yes. Thank Ryan, you for enjoying. you can't fly, though. Don't hang off the ledge. You can't fly. What did I say earlier, too? Chichulo? Chichula? Chinchilla. Chinchilla for Cthulhu. Cthulhu. <laughs> Growing genitals. Chinchillas. Growing chinchilla genitals. Hey. We all had those genitals, David. Thank you again for following along with us, bunglers, if you are out there. Thank you again, of course, to Zach. We love when Zach comes to hang out with us. Always a fun time. I, I can't wait for the next time. Very excited. As always, Thundercats fans. Thundercats. Hello. Who are you calling a hoe? I think you. And Zach. <laughs> and the bubbler. Always one or two in the group. I learned it by watching you, Mom. I learned it by watching you. Don't you remember that ABC After School special? Anyway, I guess not. They're going to think now I'm talking about somebody else. But all right. Hey. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.